Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday from the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It's 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. If you'd like to text us during the show, the Air Comfort Service text line is open 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. You can always watch us on the Air Alliance Team Studio Cam on YouTube. Just go to 101 ESPN STL. Brooke Grimsley is here. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is here. I'm Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio. In the house, how are you kids doing? You did you get a good night's rest after last night's Blues game? <laughs> no, no, me either. <laughs> I was I was trying to figure out what in the world I just watched because that was terrible, guys. There's no way to dance around it. That was absolutely awful. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't have an answer. <laughs> I text you all. There was a span of a two to three minute period in the second period where that was some of the worst hockey that I think I, they turned the puck over. They had three on two breaks. It, it was really bad hockey. Didn't No goals were scored, fortunately, mm-hmm. in that time. I know they gave up a, a bunch in the game. Gave up six, but none were scored in that point. But that lets you know how bad that specific span was that it was it was terrible man yeah it was it was really bad blues lose by a score of 6 to 2 14 42 into a scoreless game nick bugstad put arizona on top chopping for it blues can't get it back they're hemmed in coyotes on the man advantage michelli into the slot shoots and scores nick bugstad with a power play goal for the third consecutive game to open the season the Blues allow the first goal of the game. It's 1-0 Arizona. Bukestad from the high slot. And a power play goal. Glove side on Hofer. 5-18 to go in the period. But it's only 1-0 after a period. But two and a half minutes into the second, a, a thorn in the side of the Blues, a native St. Louisan, made it a 2-0 game. And it's worked by Torabjanko to center. He missed Pareko. And a puck coming back in. Schmaltz wide open. Far side. Tucked in and score. Turnover leaving the zone, and Clayton Keller gets another goal against the Blues. 2-0 Arizona, 17-26 to play in the second period. And then we had that little stretch where the Blues and the Coyotes both were were terrible. It's a 2-1 or 2-0 game at the seven-minute mark when Yakub Varana comes through for the Blues. He shoot it higher than net and it goes over to the wing. Scandella's back in, holds it into the middle. Varana shoots score! It's a 2-1 game with 12.58 to play in the second. 
But things disintegrated after that. Michael Carson scoring for Arizona 42 seconds later. Before the period was out, Nick Schmaltz scored to make it 4-1. Jason Zucker scored in the third. So did Sean Dursey. Sammy Blay had a meaningless goal for the Blues, who lose by a score <laughs> of 6-2. It, it, it was meaningless, wasn't it? Yeah, at that point. But if you were looking for somewhat of a positive, great game for Jakub Jacob Verana. Yeah. And that was about the only positive that you could say. We even had talked about how good the PK has been, and then that struggled. And I get that you don't have Pavel Buchnevich, but that's not an excuse whatsoever, especially for that top line. It felt like that top line disappeared without Buchnevich there, and I know that he drives the forechecking for them, but still, with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, I just felt like I didn't see them. But then, to be fair, I felt like I didn't see anybody else other than Verona out there. But your big guys, your $8 million guys, you've got to notice them. And for whatever reason, and Bobby Tommy's a friend of the show. Yes. And we we like, I I try to defend Jordan Cairo, but when you are invisible, it's notable. When your best players aren't showing up, it's notable. It, it, it was, I was wondering, because we talked about how much time they spend in the D zone because of this new style of defense that they play. Is that hampering them on the offensive side? Are they unable? Because there was a point where, and, and uh, Jamie was talking about, they had the, mm-hmm. the puck was in their zone for about a minute, minute and a half, and mm-hmm. you got to wear on, you got to be fatigued. And so how much do you have to be able to go to the other end? It, it It's this is all intriguing. And, and again, a lot of shots on goal. That has been one of the things that in, in preseason and training camp, I was like, that's, that's, that's going to be a problem. It, it continues to be a problem. And I said, the more shots you get on goal, 42 shots yeah. on goal, they scored six of them. You're probably going to lose games if you give up that many shots and that many opportunities. Chief, did the Coyotes take advantage of the Blues' mistakes in this one? Yeah, they did. I mean, well, we gave up three power play goals too. Penalty kill wasn't good. Uh, not clearing pucks. Didn't you know switches that are unnecessary in the zone. Just giving up easy plays. Uh, again, execution on the PK. Okay, so let's find a reason for this. The Blues captain Braden Shen made available to Andy Strickland of Valley Sports. You don't want to make any excuses, but a few days off for you guys. They're, they're playing three games in, in four nights, though. So did you feel a little bit rusty early on after the layoff? That's not an excuse, you know. Yeah, well, we'll get in a rhythm here, but, you know, we, we should have been uh, more prepared and, and ready for the start of the hockey game than we were tonight. Thank, thank you. you. There, there thank is you. no excuse <laughs> for you. that, Braden Shen. And thank God that it. that's what he said. I'm because glad he didn't take it. Yeah, no, <laughs> he wasn't going to take it. Well, that would be embarrassing yes. after you got blown out, essentially, in that game. There's absolutely no excuse. Like I said, Buchnevich not being there, we know how talented he is. But there's a lot of other talented guys. We know that there's a lot of talented guys on there and goal scorers. And offensively, they did not get it done in that game. And they just looked like... They were playing on their heels the mm-hmm. whole night. They didn't establish their forechecking. It just looked really sloppy and slow on the Blues side. And the Blues will have an opportunity to get back at it tomorrow night. They take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. But one of the things after the game that I couldn't get away from was at the end of the season last year when Barubi said, yeah, we were fine early, but it was in the fourth game of the season where the Blues didn't really compete. And he was worried after the 3-0 and start, about the way the Blues would respond. And here you are a year later with a team that presumably is, because you don't have former Stanley Cup champions on it, th- this team, theoretically, uh, should not be as good as last team, last year's team should have been, but last year's team fell apart. 
the Blues are going to have to turn this around emotionally in a hurry. They're going to have to have their players get involved. They're going to have to have their players move their feet, and they're going to have to have their players play hard. I don't know how else you do that because we talked about the preseason being too long, remember? Well, at mm-hmm. least from the fan perspective, but the Blues players mentioned that too, that the preseason really drags on. If anything, it feels like they need another preseason and just a reset because I get it is just the third game of the season, but there's a lot of disappointing factors there. The giveaways, we talked about you know, the turnovers, the way that they're just not really establishing their game early on. Where is the scoring? And you're wanting to see more from this top line. There's a lot of big question marks there. And Arizona playing their third game in four nights on the road. Yeah. Exactly. That that I mean, it just I don't know how you you show up or don't show up in that manner. It just didn't look good. It looked lethargic. It looked slow. It doesn't look like it's any juice. And when I'm watching, I'm I'm I don't see guys flying around. Like I watch other teams and how they how they play. They seem a little bit to be more the aggressor than us. Uh, we're we're not taking care of the puck. We're turning it over left and right, which is I mean, if there is one thing that I'm sure makes a coach lose his, you know what, is turning the puck over, mm-hmm. especially in your own zone, it's continuing to happen. And then they're not also they're also not winning faceoffs. They're they're at the yeah. bottom five uh, in the league in faceoff win. So I, it, it, you're not get, gaining control of the puck, you're not keeping control of the puck, and you're not winning games. And it's only three games, right? Mm-hmm. But when you see them play this poorly. It has to give you some type of a little little shock to the system, like, oh, here we go again. Right. Hard to score if you don't have the puck. Yes, it is. Meanwhile, baseball last night, if you didn't stay up late for this one, you probably knew the result by the end of the fifth inning. Uh, Texas falls behind Houston 3-0. Come back and tie the game. Uh, Dolis Garcia hit a home run. Corey Seager hit a home run. 3-3 as we head to the fourth. A sack fly by Jordan Alvarez. And then, with a couple of runners aboard, Jose Abreu put it out of reach. Hammered the left center field. Way back there. It is gone. Second back, Jose Abreu. That made it 10 to 3 in the or rather uh 7 to 3 in the fourth inning. 10 to 3 was the final Andrew Heaney got beat up by the Astros. The Rangers starter only goes 2 thirds of an inning. He allows 3 runs on 4 hits. Meanwhile, Jose Urquidy bounced back somewhat. He only goes 2 and a third though. 3 runs on 5 hits, but the Astros are able to come out on top in this one and tie the series at two games apiece. They've got all the momentum now. They do. I, what did you guys think of the decision to start Andrew Heaney in that game for Bruce Bochy on the Rangers side? I'm a. I, I and liked, hindsight's yeah. twenty twenty, yeah, of is. course. Yeah, he, he, yeah but you only go two thirds. Yeah. I, I almost wondered when I saw Dunning and what he was able to mm-hmm. do. I almost wonder if you should have started him. And Dunning and had a great Heaney. year for him. Mm-hmm. Dunning, now, was he great in September? No. But Dunning did enough during the course of the season. And he, he goes two and two-thirds and allows three runs as well. So it wasn't like he lit it up. But this is a guy that went 12-7 and seven with 3.7 for you during yes. the season. 140 strikeouts uh, in, in about that many innings. So uh, 140 strikeouts and actually 172 and two-thirds. But Dane Dunning pitched well for them. So I think that it's fair to question Bruce, Bruce Bochy about starting Andrew Heaney. Well, I think they're playing a team, again, the fact that they won those two games in Houston was surprising to me. But I didn't think that Houston was going to go to Texas and not perform well. They, they've shown up. They've shown their bats have come alive. Jordan Alvarez doing what he did. I think he was – I think they said he was sick uh, first – was it mm-hmm. the end of the last series or the beginning of this ache. series? He yeah. wasn't feeling well. Yeah. He looks pretty healthy now. He's, <laughs> he strikes the ball pretty hard. So, it's like yeah. the Michael Jordan flu game, yeah, but the we, stomach ache. <laughs> there you go. Um, but, uh, again, this Houston Nationals team, I, I thought – I picked them to win this series. Uh, it it back to the World Series. I think they still are on track to do that. I, 
I know they they're going back to Houston, and Texas has some some familiarity. They won, but I think Houston is gonna. Uh, Seal the deal there. The National League is 2-1 after a dramatic walk-off win for the Diamondbacks yesterday at home against the Phillies. Kimbrell deals an 0-1. That's into center field. It's down. In the score is Smith. And the Diamondbacks walk off the Phillies in game three. Cattell Marte takes a victory lap. And the Diamondbacks move within a game of Philadelphia. Game four of that series later tonight. It'll be played at Chase Field in Phoenix. Uh, I think Philly comes wins that game and then takes it home and wins the series. That's just my opinion. I, I don't think that was a good game for, for Arizona. But I think Philadelphia, they'll get back on the swinging side of things and finish it off. I thought it was important that the Diamondbacks at least show some life yeah. and fight in there. And that I think that was important to see. I was expecting this series to be just maybe a little bit more of a battle. The Phillies do just feel really hard to beat. So yes. I get what you're saying there. I did think it was interesting, though, with Tori Lovello and his decision with your boy Fott mm-hmm. and pulling him. Yeah, it was, uh, well, and we're going to talk about this later, but let's hear from Tori Lovello. Uh, he had a guy that had shut out ball for five and two-thirds and nine strikeouts. Here is the Diamondbacks manager on uh, making that move. The conversations are very typical, you know. Am I an idiot if I take him out of the game? Yes. With nine strikeouts at five and two-thirds? Um, those are the things that I'm asking and try to keep it loose. But we... I'm asking them if the manager is an idiot after taking him out of the game for five and two, after five and two thirds, and I know it's a very unpopular decision, but we have we have great information about how we can and a plan and a roadmap that when there's limited emotion and limited stimulus, what's the best decision to move this thing forward and control a very very potent offense. My analytics sheet says no matter what happens, don't let him face Kyle Schwarber again. Take him out. That's what my analytics sheet says. I, I know my eyes are telling me I see greatness, but this damn sheet is in bold red print, and I got to do it. You what about the stimulus are... stat? Is, <laughs> right. that it? is that the new one that's added in there? Yeah. I love it. You wonder if these guys really I do wish they would lose. <laughs> I wish people would lose when they do that. Oh, we did that, didn't we? Yeah. Cardinals yeah. last you were year. An, yeah, but you were an idiot to take him out. Yes. It didn't make any it sense. It worked. It, they won. But still, but they I mean, it a also lot of run right after that. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the part that was kind of confusing. And I didn't like the explanation exactly afterwards because that could have not worked out. And of course, one, another situation where it's hindsight 2020. But even did you guys see Tommy Pham's comments after the game? How do you think Tommy Pham felt about Tori Lovello pulling Fott out? I'm sure he didn't. Uh, I'm, I, well, listen, you you probably should check with Tommy Pham before you make any. He said he hated it as a manager, which yeah. I think everybody did. If you're if you're a Diamondbacks fan, and even even on the other side, you're probably like, well, that was a great decision, but still, you're even a little bit confused. You're happy if you're the Phillies that you. I mean, you get him out of the game and he's performing that well. You're like, whew, you did us a you you did the opposing team a favor. Now. Fortunately for the Diamondbacks, it worked out. They won mm-hmm. the game. But if you lose that game, if Kyle Schwarber comes up and, and hits a home run into the second deck and then they score a couple of more runs in that inning with two outs, then you're looked at as, oh, you, you how do you keep your job? Those are the decisions that get people mm-hmm. fired when they don't go the right way. And so, again, I know the analytics sheet, it worked out this time. And it's wonderful. You want to trust the analytics to a degree. But at some point, 
you got to tell the people that are writing up those sheets, hey, man, do you see this guy playing? He's balling. I don't give a damn what your sheet says. Get out of my face. Leave me alone. I'm going to trust the guy that is on the mound with the ball that he's going to do a great job because he has been so far this game. A couple of other notes. The Jaguars score late to beat the Saints last night, 31-24, to and it'll be a great weekend in downtown St. Louis this afternoon at 6 o'clock. City is going to have a block party at the Lufius Plaza over at City Park. Pop singer and songwriter Ava Max will headline with rock band The Scarlet Opera and local DJ Stasi opening the evening's festivities. You can get tickets by going to SeatGeek.com. They're free, but go to SeatGeek.com to get tickets for the St. Louis City SE block party tonight. Tomorrow, another block party at 4 before City takes on Seattle, and you'll have local band Hazmat hyping up, uh, up the crowd. And then Sunday, a playoff launch party, and the club is going to turn the page to the playoffs from 1 to 3, again on the Lufius Plaza. So it's going to be a great weekend over at City Park, and you can get all the information you need, obviously, at St. Louis City SC. And again, the Blues back in action tomorrow night against the Coyotes over at Enterprise Center, and we'll have that for you at 7 here on 101 ES. Coming up, has Houston taken complete control of the ALCS? And despite what Kerry thinks, can the Diamondbacks get this series to a tie when they go back to Philadelphia? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. But at the end of the day, who knows what it could have, should have. Bullpen did great. They've been doing great the whole postseason, so you can't you can't think that way and, and taking a starter out. So obviously I'm a competitor. I want to keep going. Everybody does. But at the end of the day, you just got to trust his decision and, and move forward, go to the bullpen, let them do their jobs. Everybody wants to stay in except for George Kirby. That's uh, Brandon <laughs> Fott of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who was brilliant yesterday in Game 3 of the NLCS. He goes five and two-thirds. He allows only two hits. He doesn't walk anybody and strikes out nine, throws 70 pitches, 48 for strikes, and almost incomprehensibly, after going five and two-thirds, the manager of the Diamondbacks, Tori Lavolo, takes him out and says that, yeah, well, we did it on... Uh, well, let's Can we get the stimulus one back, the, the stimulus cut? Tori Lavolo... To his credit, he would have been different if they would have lost the game. But he talked about his reasoning in taking out Brandon Fott. The conversations are very typical, you know. Am I an idiot if I take him out of the game with nine strikeouts at five and two-thirds? Um, those are the things that I'm asking and try to keep it loose. But we, I'm asking them if the manager is an idiot after taking him out of the game for five and two, after five and two-thirds. And I know it's a very unpopular decision. But we have we have great information about how we can and a plan and a roadmap that when there's limited emotion and limited stimulus, what's the best decision to move this thing forward and control a very, very potent offense? And obviously the Diamondbacks allowed a run to tie the game at one or give Philadelphia the lead. And then Arizona came back ultimately and was able to win the game, but not because of that move to the bullpen by Tori Lavolo. And it did bring back memories of game six of the 2020 World Series when Blake Snell is shoving against mm-hmm. the Dodgers. He then of the Tampa Bay Rays. He goes five and a third, allows one run on, two hits, ironically, struck out nine and didn't walk anybody. And Kevin Cash took him out. And before the end of the sixth inning, the Dodgers had taken the lead and they went on to win the World Series. 
I am so tired of these guys leaning on numbers and analytics and saying, well, yeah, there's a, a lot of thought. The problem is that your thought is put in at 2 o'clock. Your thought isn't put in at 9.30 or, in this case, 3.30, 4.30, when the play is taking place. You have to watch the game. And clearly, Tori Lavello was concentrating more on the math than he was on watching what was actually transpiring on the field. Do you think that, that by them going – strictly analytics in those certain situations, it gives them an out. It gives them a a, a reason for uh, if it goes bad, well, the analytics says that this is what we're supposed to do, as opposed to, yeah, I, I know what the analytics say in that moment, but I felt in my gut that, hell, he's pitching well. Why would I remove him from the game in that moment? I, I just... And then you start setting your, your your bullpen back. If you once you take your starter mm-hmm. out, you start setting up your bullpen to that you're gonna need <laughs> throughout this entire series. Now you're starting to eat up innings on their behalf. I I just feel like if a guy is performing well, <clears throat> oh, say Quintana, you just leave him <laughs> in the game. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still dealing with this, Randy. You, you just we, leave we him in live, the game. We're gonna deal with it forever. Yeah, that, that's what doesn't make sense. And of course, it's very weird to be critical, and it feels weird to be critical when they did end up winning the game, but. You just wonder if you kept fought in, if they probably could have done maybe a little bit more or maybe it would have put them in a better position. But either way, they won the game. It's just the explanation of that I don't think sits well with many people, including I mentioned Tommy Pham and Tommy Pham talked to reporters afterwards and he said he should have kept him in. And he was nice about it. He wasn't super critical, but he was just saying, I think when a guy is doing what Fott's doing, you just let the momentum keep going. He said he didn't like the decision. And I think many people felt that way because it was a situation that was just head scratching. I mean, don't you remember the days of Joe Torrey? Didn't he let a pitcher like pitch 147, throw 147 pitches? Yeah, back in the day. Back in the day during postseason. watching the game. Yeah. And that's what I just don't get. It's a little bit concerning. And this will be a bullpen game for the Diamondbacks. Now. Right. So yes. then you worry about your bullpen that when it's going to be a bullpen game. Get into the game. And, and and by the way, <laughs> this, have to. this is, we, we all know this, even though Ali Marmal would dispute it. This is the way the Cardinals operate, too. And it's unfortunate because the, the the veteran managers are going based on their knowledge and their experience. Well, one of the problems you have when you don't have a lot of experience is that you, you don't count on the eye test as much. You do count on the math. Guys, I go back to game six of the two, 1985 World Series. That, that was the Don Denkinger game. Danny Cox pitches into the, he actually wound up pitching seven for the Cardinals. But in the bottom of the sixth, Danny Cox, right-handed pitcher, allows a base hit to switch hitter Willie Wilson of the Royals, okay? So you get into the inning, scoreless game, and he allows a base hit. George Brett is the second hitter, one of the greatest left-handed hitters of all time. And Whitey leaves Danny Cox into the in the game, and Danny, right-handed pitcher against the, one of the great left-handed hitters of all time, gets Brett to hit into a double play, and then Frank White strikes out swinging, and ultimately the Royals uh, went down against Cox despite getting a couple of runners on in the seventh too. And Danny only threw ninety-nine pitches in that game. It drives me crazy that these pitchers. Generally, and Fott, obviously, to his credit, wanted to stay in there. They aren't given the opportunity to not even finish what they start, but to go seven innings and, as we mentioned, preserve the bullpen for tomorrow. No. we. I got a text from the 816 where someone said, wait, Thompson did that the other night with Nola, and you guys had nothing to say about it. 
I feel like with Nola, I thought we did say they something were, about that. It was a different game. I'm looking at it now. They were up six to nothing. Yeah. He finished the sixth inning, and they brought in a new pitcher in the top of the seven, uh, in the top of the seventh. These are two very different it's not situations. The same thing. No. Yes. Fat had just gotten two guys out. You were facing the third batter in that inning. You had yes. given up one hit. It's a zero-zero game in that point. That game was six to nothing. What the hell do you need Aaron Nola to keep pitching for? I mean, right. it, it, I'm just saying it. Those are two totally different games than what took place last night. That that is your guy is rolling. He's your best pitcher. He's the best pitcher for that moment. Now it worked out for you. But as you said, if it's a bullpen game today and you started your bullpen getting into the game last night, well, well okay, good luck today. Because what I think is going to happen, what we call a gentleman sweep, five games, four to one. Yep. Well, I believe you. Here's the thing: you had to get 11 outs from your bullpen last night. You could have set it up so that you only had to get six outs from your mm-hmm. bullpen, right? Is that right? Five and two. Yeah. No, six, ten outs, and you could have done it with six outs. So that's where it comes into play. And ultimately, yeah, it's if you are comparing the two games. Then you just keep watching. Get more experience watching baseball. If you think a 6 nothing lead is comparable to a scoreless game, love you, but just keep watching. Exactly. It's a text here from the 573. It's very simple. If managers don't follow the analytics, they get fired for having philosophical differences. You know what else yeah. you get fired for? Mm-hmm. Losing. Losing. Yeah. <laughs> so you might as well, well do what the hell you think is right. Not yeah. always. Yeah. Not, not all the time. But I, I think that that is very true because... I think even if the car, this whole Cardinal situation, we've been talking about Yadier Molina, we're going to talk about it even more later on with Polo Asensio, the Cardinal Spanish broadcaster later. But even bringing in Yadi, I think that signals in that they realize that sometimes just being solely driven off of analytics is not exactly what's working. You have to have more mm-hmm. of that gut instinct and feel, and that's something that you can't print off on a piece of paper. I always go back to the 2011, late in the season, when Tony Larusa. And Tony LaRusso was obviously the ultimate gut guy, but he wanted to bench a slumping David Freeze. And Mark McGuire told us a story. He said, I'm driving down 40 on the phone with Tony. And Tony said, I'm going to put Freeze on the bench. And McGuire said, you can't do that. And Tony said, yeah, the, the numbers just aren't there. He's slumping. And Mark said, he is so close. You cannot put him on the bench. And Mark talked Tony into keeping Freeze in the lineup. And Freeze wound up winning NLCS and World Series MVP because they used the eye test and a veteran savvy baseball watcher understood what he was watching. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we need more of in baseball. And that's why somebody that's a veteran is going to wind up winning the World Series, whether it's Rob Thompson or whether it's Dusty Baker or whether it's Bruce Bochy, a veteran guy who uses the uses the eye test is going to win the World Series. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, a lot going on with Live Golf. We're going to talk to Jay Delsing about that and more next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed 
guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There's a lot going on in the golf world, even though there are many tournaments going on. Greg Norman spoke to the media for the first time in four months yesterday. There's been a lot of speculation that he would be fired as the manager of Live Golf, but he says that, no, he's never been concerned about his future as the chief of Live Golf. More notable this week has been the the, the talk uh, by multiple players on the, the Live Tour as they prepare for their final event of the year that <laughs> they believe that there need to be accommodations made for those golfers to play in the majors. My retort would be, well, if you were so concerned about playing in the majors, why did you leave the PGA Tour to go play for Live Golf? There were going to be repercussions if you went to play in the Live League, and ultimately you can't, as they say, have your cake in this situation and eat it too. You can only look at it. Yeah, that was a lot, <laughs> lot of money. Mm-hmm. On one side and less money on the other, so he, he that that would make sense as to why he decided to go there. But I, you know, if he, he's been kind of the either the glue that's holding everything together or the thorn in everybody's side, can you be both? Can yes, you can you, you can. be both at the same time? <laughs> he, he he has been. He's been the glue for the live guys, right? But the thorn for the PGA guys, and it's 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 weird. It's weird how how that happens in a short span of time. And and this whole live PGA golf thing is it's not going away, and it's going to be here for for a while. Yeah, obviously. and it's great for the the golf off season. It gives the golf fans something to talk about and to to look at, but. It's also bringing a lot of consternation to the sport. I think that's something that golf has to look at, is that we aren't talking about what's happening on the course. We're talking about what's happening off the course. And sometimes bad press can be good. It brings a lot of attention to things. But this is just very negative attention where it almost comes across a little bit whiny in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned there, with some of the accommodations. What are some of the accommodations that they are seeking? Well, they want to. They, they want the official world golf ranking system mm-hmm. to allow them to pile up points on the Live Tour so that they can play in the Masters, the PGA, the U.S. Open, or the Open. That was not allowed. The the official world golf ranking system said, no, we aren't going to do that. Your tour isn't legitimate enough. You're playing 54 holes. You're playing exactly. team golf. It's yeah. not yeah. what we have determined the ranking system should be. So 
You had Cameron Smith uh, say that the the ranking system is almost obsolete. Well, he wasn't saying that when he was ranked number two in the world. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He was was excited about that, huh? Yeah. And and so Dustin Johnson said that uh, he says, I feel like you can't really use the word uh, world ranking system anymore. That's my take on it. Hard to use the world ranking system if you're excluding 48 guys that are good players. Again, you don't have to be allowed to play in the majors. That is the choice that you made, and that is the choice that the majors have made. They they knew that when they left them. Mm-hmm. They knew that that was a possibility, and they knew that if you're not playing, if you're only play, playing a third, three, three-fourths of a tournament as opposed to all four. It, it changes the rankings. How can you be ranked as high when you're not playing as many holes as the guys, as the other guys? I don't know how that, how that, how they rationalize that in their mind. No, and here's the other part of it. For those guys that are playing against the best of the best, and they're playing the schedule that requires them to play 72 holes individually and be the winner or in the top five of a tournament, how do you tell those guys, yeah, well, you know what? You stuck with us, and we're going to allow these guys that are playing 54 holes, these 48 golfers, we're going to rate them in a different way, but we're going to allow them to play. I don't think There's that's fair. There's nothing fair about right, that right. whatsoever. And it just looks like we got to get all of our cake, as you mentioned, and eat it too, but we want more. We want more mm-hmm. of your cake. We want you to change that do, cake to our liking. I do hate that phrase. What? If you got cake, you should eat it too. I agree. The, phrase is, <laughs> the, actual, phrase is, the actual phrase is eat your cake and have it too. Eat your cake and have it too. There you go. Excuse me. I'm sorry to mm. to offend. There you Everyone's go. Or up. let them eat cake. How about that phrase? Let, let, them them eat eat let, let everybody eat cake. <laughs> Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good, guys. Sorry for the uh, tech problems. I'm doing well. How about you all? We're doing well. And I, uh, there's a lot going on with Liv, obviously, and we'll get to uh, Greg Norman speaking yesterday. But what do you think, what do you make of people like Cameron Smith and Dustin Johnson saying, well, it's not fair that the official world golf rankings aren't including us for scoring in the majors because we're really good? What do you make of those comments? <laughs> Oh, well, they, exactly what you guys said when I just jumped on. They want their cake and eat it, too. I mean, what what I was really interested in finding out, guys, is what the reasoning was going to be for them if they didn't get their world ranking points. And it was perfect. It was, you know, if they want to say that they're growing the game and they just finished playing the event in, I think it's Riyadh in Saudi Arabia, and there's a little boy. I didn't see any spectators, but let's pretend there was a little boy out there and he said to his dad, I want to do this. This is really cool. How do I get on the live tour? And what do you say to your son? I don't know. This is just a random, this is just, there's going to be a random selection of players every once in a while. I mean, you have to have a clear path to show someone how they can gain access to that tour. You have to. Every other tour in the entire world has that pathway. Then the PGA tour does the Corn Ferry Tour does, the Asian Tour does, the Australasian Tour does. Every single one of those tourist guides has a pathway to get on to that um, circuit, except for Liv. And see, that, that's another thing, guys. When we talked about this Liv thing coming together, they just slapped this thing together. They, they didn't think. They, that's why it, it, it's so difficult for, for the PGA Tour honks like myself, because we are charity-driven. There's no question about that. And there's a, there's a business plan and a business model. These guys are just dumping money at everything and going, we'll just figure it out as we go. 
Jay, what do you think about, as uh, as Randy mentioned, Greg Norman's comments, what do you think about his comments about the fact that he isn't worried about the future of Live Golf or his role within it? It's He's paid, is all I can think of. I mean, he's just, he's just paid. It's I, I don't I, – the thing that sucks, you guys, is that there's just really not – that many fun stories to talk about. It's all drama and all Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson are just yappers to me. Now I don't believe a word that they say. I mean, I I was never like close friends with these guys, but I played several times with Greg Norman. I had a ton of respect for him as a professional golfer. And he's just, I, I mean, it just seems like all he's doing is, is, is trying to stay relevant as he ages. And Phil's just, I think Phil's lost it. I mean, Phil's just, Phil's going to say whatever the hell he wants to say. And it, I mean, and, and forget about if there's any, if there's going to be any truth in it, he's just going to, he's just going to fire it off at us and we're supposed to go, oh yeah, it's Phil Mickelson. We're going to believe it now. I, 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 he's, he's lost me. Well, Phil is saying that he thinks that there's going to be even more golfers uh, joining Liv, saying that he thinks there's going to be an exodus of PGA Tour golfers. Do you believe that? Well, I'm not saying there won't be more players. Here's what's going on right now, guys, behind the scenes. I'm reading that. I'm, I'm just finishing up the shipment book. And when 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 these guys don't get what they want, the Saudis and the PIF, all they do is throw more money at it. So I'm sure they're gonna. They're probably in conversations right now with guys like Spieth, and 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 I don't think those guys will go. But they're they're, they're whomever they're talking with, and they're going to say. What's it going to take? You know, we offered you 150 million. Is it going to be 200 million? Is it, and those are the conversations that are going on right now. And eventually, human nature is going to take over, and someone's going to probably go. But I, I don't. I don't. I mean, for them to not have world golf ranking points, it, it the, the whole thing sucks because I'd love to see the best players playing together, and and not have to go look at the CW and find out what this, you know, tours what the, what's going on with them, but. Man, I got to tell you, I just watched this last one, Brooke and Riyadh, and it was like it was like a hostage tour. Or something. That's a terrible <laughs> choice of words over there. But there was nobody watching. I couldn't figure out the format. Everybody, I, I, I like Brooks Kepka was like on hole twelve, and then Taylor Gooch was, and I'm like, man, I don't, you know, I, I it was just really difficult to watch. Jay, let's shift gears. I know you watch hockey. You're a Blues fan. You're a Cardinals fan. What, yeah. what did you see? What, 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 what do you think? What did you see last oh, night? Barry. <laughs> oh, I was I so sad. I was like, somebody give the boys a coffee or something. <laughs> we had no energy. And, and I just have, listen, Gary, Gary, you know how hard sports is. Listen, yeah. it is hard. You have days that are good. You have days that are bad. Then you have those stinkers where you're like, Yeesh. I wish I didn't even have to go out there and put my name behind that, you know, that 77, because everything I did today sucked. But the Blues just looked to me like they they forgot what they were doing and they just didn't have any any uh, any jump and 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 the lack of of um, passion, I guess, for for what they were doing. And when I think of Chief and and the way that he is, there's nothing but passion with this guy, and he he had to. He had to be frustrated with that. It was it was just a difficult thing to watch for me. I I get it. It's bad. The Coyotes, by the way, 
play us like the 1960 Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, right. For whatever reason, I don't know. I mean, I know these kids are good, but it's like the reincarnation of John Bellevue and, you know, Rocket Richard out there when they come when they play against us. I, I can't figure out. I, I, I don't get that at all. Jay, before we let you go, who's on the show with yourself and Danny Mac this weekend? We've got Michael Block, who uh, spent about 10 or 12 years here, uh, uh, played with Rory in the last round of the PGA Championship, uh, made a hole-in-one, um, and, um, uh, oh, man, just just uh, um, finished. He actually finished 15th in the PGA Championship as a club pro and made $288,000, guys. And before that, he was giving lessons out in Southern California for $125 an hour. So I think his hourly just got kicked up a lot out there. I got a text from Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, my gosh. His guy turned it overnight into a rock star. It was so, so – and he is extremely grounded, and it was really fun to to to, uh, to, to listen to him. And so and, – and then Danny Mack and I did a little fireside chat over at Wild Crush – for Charter Spectrum, and um, and we we take some took some excerpts uh, from that, so that's kind of our show this week. We'll be tuned in. Thanks, Jay. Have a great weekend. I'm going to get a new phone. Thanks, guys. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. And of course, you can hear Jay and Danny golf with Jay Delsing at eight o'clock, eight to ten on Sunday morning here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Yo ho! Take it or leave it. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Time for Tioli, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. right, kids. You know where we're going here, Dateline, Kansas City. Entertainment Tonight reporting that Travis Kelsey is planning to be by Taylor Swift's side as she starts her international (laughs) tour date scheduled to kick off in November during the Chiefs' bye week. A source telling Entertainment Tonight that the duo is fully committed to their relationship and the future. Quote, Travis and Taylor are all in. The two are very into each other and are enjoying their time together, but are also planning for the future. Taylor starts her international tour in November, and Travis is planning to be there to spend time with her. Take it or leave it. If the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl, Taylor Swift is going to be blamed. Ooh. I'm going to leave that. Of course. That. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it just because everybody likes to blame a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I, I would blame Travis Kelsey if he's spending his time internationally during the bye week. On the bye week? Yeah, you should probably be resting not on, not jet What are you doing in a grocery store? Yeah, I got yelled at for that. (laughs) Uh, That was ridiculous. I'm trying to eat, sir. (laughs) What the hell do you want? (laughs) Leave me the hell alone. That's important. Right. Refueling is, I yeah. think, very important I'm to recovery. I'm that, that Travis will people. probably be flying on a private jet, and it's just a mini vacation with four <laughs> days during a bye week. So going to, where? where's the, where's the... Uh, Buenos Aires. <laughs> Buenos Aires. How, uh, how long a flight is that? Uh, probably, what, six hours or something like that? Six hours from Kansas City? Yeah, a fr- no private way. jet. It's Yeah. 
Let's see. No way. It's gotta There's be, no way. It's got to be eight to ten hours. Late time. Text in from, from your private jet if how long it is from Kansas City to Buenos Aires. <laughs> it's not a direct flight. You got a private jet. Though. It is with a private jet. Uh, 12 hours. That's the benefit of six from the middle of the yeah. country. So, uh, so cut that down by three. Nine, nine hours, hours on a plane. Time change. Get it's back. Fast, it's faster sluggish. coming. It's faster coming back. Cool. Because of, because of the jet stream and all. Oh, that. that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, still a long flight on your on your bye week. Uh, good luck, man. Hey, do your thing. All right. <laughs> this friendship is wonderful. The uh, love story. This is a love friendship. story. It's a love story. Uh, and. Yeah. Just as People an aside, think I hate here. love. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, he's he's going just for three shows. So. Yeah, three just days. Three. So that's three days. Yeah, probably four days. Uh, good luck. Yeah, Have fun. Tell him good luck. Tell him good luck. So you're you're not gonna blame her? No, I'm gonna blame him. Okay. When he comes back, comes back slight. Travis Kelsey has a. So here's the thing, you have an injured ankle. Mm-hmm. Yours time again. You're supposed to be getting treatment now. Maybe he's getting treatment around the clock on the airplane. You know, when he gets there, maybe he has the best treatment. I don't know, but you know, good luck to him and her, and both of them. And their beautiful together. love story. And their friendship. Uh, so <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, and Michigan. Ooh, yeah got caught in a cheating scandal. Mm. Allegedly, there was some sign stealing going on for Jim Harbaugh. We know that Jim Harbaugh and Michigan Wolverines have not won a championship. Take it or leave it. Jim Harbaugh did not go to the Bill Belichick School of Sign Stealing. Oh, I will I'm take, that. take that one. <laughs> I'll take yeah. that. Yeah. You got to do it right. At least if you're going to steal it. championship. <laughs> right. Like, no if you're going to do it, do it. Do it Let correctly. Do it halfway. Go all the way. Exactly. Agreed. Be a champion. That's even, does that feel even more embarrassing? Hey, if you're going to cheat, and, you know, I mean, if you don't have something to show for it, go yeah. ahead and get your championship out of it, Bill. Bill exactly. knows. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bill knows. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, they, did, they did their thing. Take it or leave it, guys. I know it's weird to talk about a positive after the game last night, but I was talking about earlier that Jacob Verana was about the only player that I noticed in a positive way, the way that he had a goal, and also he had the assist with Sammy Blaze's goal. Take it or leave it, guys. The Blues should extend him. I'm going to leave that for now. Mm -hmm. I just need to see a little bit more. A wee bit more? But where are you going? I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, hell. Whoever's scoring goals right now, extend them. Sign them. <laughs> yeah. They got three goals. Here. How many goals do they have this year? Four? Uh, Yeah, four. Let's four? see. One, two, we not, yeah, are four. Are we counting yeah. the, the, the shootout goals? We're not counting the shootout goals. No, we can't goals. count those. Okay, no. so how many we have? Four? Yeah, four. One, one, and two mm-hmm. in three games? Yeah. Whew, that's high-powered. Well, that's exciting. Well, How many goals have we going. given up? Six last night <laughs> in one game. <laughs> you know what's really dumb, Randy? What's that? Hockey reference clocks at his five, which I think is the dumbest yeah, thing in the world. Because of the shootout? It, yeah, it shouldn't count. That's not a goal. So does that count it's, as a goal for Robert It shouldn't. I, I don't know. For I'm, Rob Tom? Does he have a goal this season? Um, Let's find out. Robert that. Thomas? Yeah. No, he's just got the the winner. Uh, they, so they don't count that as a as an actual goal? They, no, like maybe it's counted as a team goal or something like that. Yeah, it's just counted as a team goal. Okay. They, yep. they, they have four goals scored, and they, but they have five team goals. Nice. What do we we got on the text line? Uh, Take it or leave it. We just saw the real blues last night. Yes. I would hope. I'm going to leave it. Randy, this has been a bad, this is going to be a bad year in sports. Yeah, it could be. Except for City SC. Uh, Well, yeah. City is playing well. Here's the thing. Do you you worry? Because we were very quick, and I think reasonably very quick, to dismiss the, the, the opinions of the athletic. 
<laughs> uh, right? Are you worried that Chief I'm is lost? I'm worried. Uh, yeah. I am oh, worried. No. You know what? Yeah. I literally thought about that last night. I was like, damn. Like, yeah, me too. I, I was like, did they know something that we didn't know? Because oh. it is a little bit concerning. And Craig Ruby is fantastic. It is up mm-hmm. to the players at the end of the day. So but it, that's concerning. I, that I, is concerning seeing that I'm performance. Gonna, I'm going to exit stage left. Don't take the lap. I'm going uh, <laughs> to leave. Don't. I, I, so, 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 let me ask you a question. Yes. How is it? Now, not you, because I think you are, you, you, you say the same thing on both ends. How is it that Blues fans... Blame the players, but Cardinal fans blame the manager. How the hell is that possible? I think. <laughs> oh, well, no, do you no, know? It's, it's, it, what, what moves is Craig Berube making? In terms of? In terms of changes uh, during the game that affect the outcome of the game. He changes the, the the shifts. He gives guys less minutes, more time, mm-hmm. less time. Uh, do, do uh, who changes see, who's on the PK, any, who's on yeah, the power play. When, when you are watching hockey, do you see any moves that are clearly, in your opinion, analytically driven? I, I don't. There Not necessarily. Go. There's the reason. But if it's analytically driven, is that on the manager? Well, ultimately, what's his title? If, if it's manager. analytically driven, if someone is telling you what to do, is that then on you? Then you aren't the manager. So why do you want to remove him? Well, I just find it intriguing I, I, that, been, that, that Blues been, fans blame yeah. players, Cardinal fans blame the manager, and they are essentially the same I, I've been pretty strident in saying, what have I said about if the Cardinals are going to bring in a guy like Joe Madden, what do they have to do? Let him manage. Let him manage. Let him be in charge yes. of the situation. And they should, because if you're going to do it, you know, I just think that micromanaging is not the best situation. And with Baruby, he has won a Stanley Cup, and he was able to turn things around. My concern— What year did, did, did Baruby win a Stanley Cup? How many that was years 2019. Was what year yeah. was it for him? What year was it? Yeah, that was his— that was, he was the interim the head coach. Year. His first year. Yes. As the Blues head coach. And so they fired, yeah, they fired a, Mike he, he, Yo, yeah, and yeah. then they brought in Craig, well, and Ruby. They, and, they, yes. and he was the coach in Philly for two and a half years, I yes. believe. So the Cardinals want to fire the manager. Cardinal fans want to fire the manager so they can win a championship. Kind of like what the Phillies did, mm-hmm. going to the World Series. That's the, the magic that they're hoping for. They're hoping for the same magic because that happens every year when a manager gets fired. The team goes on a hot streak and they win a championship. I, I think there's a lot that goes into this. And it's probably worth a segment. But one of the things that's happened to the Cardinals is they've gone from the best defense and base running in baseball to bottom third in the league since that guy took over, since Ali took over. And to me, because I've seen Whitey Herzog come in and clean up fundamentals very quickly in 1980. I've seen Tony Larusa come in and do it very quickly in 96. I've seen managers have a dramatic effect on teams. Terry Francona, wherever he has gone, he has cleaned up the fundamentals of the ball club. Look what happened with the Texas Rangers this year. Texas Rangers went from an average defensive team to one of the best in baseball. I don't think that's coincidence. When when guys move around and the teams wind up getting better fundamentally when they show up, I don't think it's coincidence. So, again, I, I'm, I, I'm in agreement with all of that. But in terms of the players that are on the field, the players that you have here readily available to be on the field, is that on the manager or is that on the front office? It's totally on the front office. So if I don't have the players that are good enough to play high level, 
is that my fault as a manager putting them in the best position for them in order for us to try to win? And all we can do is go apples to apples. We can look at the regression of people like Nolan Arenado. We can look at the regression of people like Tommy Edmond. We can look at the regression. Now, do you expect another Tommy MVP? Tommy Edmond is a gold, gold glove finalist. But look what he is offensively and look what he did defensively this year. Was he as good defensively he, in what, 2023 he, as he was in 2022? No, because he was playing everywhere. And that's, again, an issue where you either don't have enough people or the right people to play the same position every single day. You got injuries left and right. And I'm not making excuses because there were some things that Ali could have done better. I'm sure he would agree with that as well. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the players, whether it's hockey or baseball or football, have to be the – Moreau ran a route to score a touchdown. Dennis Adlin and the coaching staff called a perfect play. The player didn't catch the damn ball. So do you fire Dennis Adlin because they lost that game? No. The players have to make plays. I am a former player. I never blamed my coach for us stinking. He ain't got nothing to do with it, man. He can he they prepare us for the game and if we go out there and stink, we stink. The Blues did not play well. I guarantee you Baruby did not envision his team playing lackluster with less energy than the Coyotes were playing with last night. And I, that is not Baruby's fault. So Here's the thing is that I think it's very interesting both situations is that For the players that both of them have, I think that that does come down to roster construction for both of them, for Ali Marmol and Craig Berube. But here's the thing. With even with Craig Berube, if say that things continue to go south, I don't even think that he would be fully protected because the way that he was able to bring in his own coaches now, younger coaches, and the whole purpose of that was essentially to help the Blues defense, also to help special teams because that was a major drop off last season, but to also connect with the younger players. At the end of yeah. the day, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas have the big contracts. They're obviously the core that they see for the future of this team. And if Berube can't connect with them in some way, that might be an issue, and there's only so much that they can do in that situation. And I, then you would have to see why the Athletics said that. That is Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. One other quick note. Last year, the Philadelphia Phillies were 22-29 and 29 under Joe Girardi. Same group of players. Rob Thompson takes over, and they go 65-46. and 46. Where is the Blues offense right now? Is it up in the press box wearing number 89? And how much is that early exit of Booch going to cloud our view of the offense? That's next on 101 ESPN. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take.
close so far side. Verano makes it pass to the near side. Pareko shoots it on. That's saved, and that's the end of the hockey game and a frustrating one here tonight as the St. Louis Blues fall to the Arizona Coyotes by a score of 6-2. 8 7 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. The Blues, as Chris Kerber said last night here on 101 ESPN, lose to the uh, Arizona Coyotes. The Blues... Among teams that have played three games in the Western Conference have the fewest points. They only have uh, three points on the season. They're 1-1-1. One, one, and one. They've scored the fewest goals in the conference with only five. And you have to be concerned after three games, if you do get concerned about three games in hockey, about where the Blues offense is. You did lose Pavel Buchnevich early on in the game against uh, the the Seattle Kraken the other night. And Buchnevitz has been more than a point-of-game guy for the Blues. I don't think that the Blues are in a position or were in a position to lose scoring depth. When you – Brandon Saab might be a 20-goal guy on his best years. But Thomas and Cairo have not performed up to the level that we would expect so far. We came into the season not knowing what people like Verana, who had a goal last night, and Kapanen were going to be. Uh, Braden Shen is the captain now, but he's the second-line center between Kapanen and last night Torpchenko with Buchnevich out of the lineup. Sammy Blay, he, he was really good last year when he came back mm-hmm. to St. Louis from the Rangers. But then your fourth line, because of the move of Torpchenko up, you have Alexandrov, Sundquist, and Neighbors last night. So among that group, who do you really expect to score goals? If you don't have Buchnevich in the lineup... The only real expectation I have for regular goal scoring from that group is Jordan Cairo. Exactly. Jordan Cairo is what you would hope, but it just felt like they were invisible last night. Mm -hmm. Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. And you mentioned the other names there because obviously it just isn't on them to score goals. That's not exactly the expectation, but it still is, especially when you have those big contracts coming in. And Pavel Buchnevich is fantastic. I think that he is the Blues' most important player. And you saw that missing last night. Pavel Buchnevich is a part of a lot of different things, including the Blues' power play, which Mm -hmm. suffered once again surprise surprise but he's also a big part of that top line because he drives the forechecking and you felt like that was a big part of why you didn't notice Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo but that's still not an excuse you have enough talented players you've seen some guys on this group who are 20 plus goal scorers and to not be able to respond in that game when you had that many days off I see that as an advantage because you had more time to grow your game and for Joel Hofer there was a lot of situations that it felt like I was watching Bennington last season where he was not put in good situations and that is on the rest of the guys in front of him and by the way unfortunately we have reached a point i don't know if you guys feel the same way that i do i don't even include the defenseman among the offense i have no expectations for the defenseman to score goals no i mean you you don't they don't it's it's not tory krug had a wide open shot i think he missed the net at one point it just it doesn't feel like the the they're doing Offensively, you can't expect much from them. And the one guy that did score is no longer here, which is part of what I was saying also. I, I was surprised that Callie Rosen, obviously, Callie didn't have. Rosen. We miss you, brother. Yeah, miss we, you. Miss you. we miss you. Especially we miss you after plus that game. <laughs> We miss you shooting the puck when you got an opportunity. We miss it, man, because it, uh, it was delightful to see guys shoot the puck when they're open. I, I don't know. This, it, it, this the whole I don't know how you get this corrected. I don't know. I don't know if it's too early to start worrying, start panicking. I don't know if it's 
you know, if what we saw last night, as you said, Brooke, what the reporters from The Athletic have written, if what we saw last night is why they wrote what they wrote because they already knew or thought that this would be what this team is, the thing that bothers me more than anything about a game like that, if you give great effort and lose, man, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 we, man, they, we got beat by a better team. If I, if I'm lined up against somebody and he just kicks my butt, but I gave everything I got, I can deal with it. I'm okay. But when you line up and you don't give effort and you don't give the energy, and that's what I saw a lot last year. Just not a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like a lot of effort. Sluggish. Not moving fast. You had five days off. There's no reason. You're three games into the season. There's no reason to be moving in that way. That, for me, is the problem, is a huge problem. Yeah, it is. It's concerning because it looks like coming out of the gate, and you've noticed that, that's a, that is a concerning trend in these first three games, is it feels like they're not establishing their game early on. Have you guys noticed that about mm-hmm. how in the first period, it's almost like they're constantly playing on their heels? They've allowed the first goal in every game they've exactly. played. Exactly. But then, in this game that you saw last night, they couldn't you know, figure out a way to just really establish their game, and they let Arizona dictate that. I thought this was really interesting, and this is a quote that Luke Korak has um, from Connor Ingram, the the Arizona goalie. He said, I didn't have to do much today other than kill that penalty at the end of the second period. Other than that, I didn't have to do much. My job was pretty pretty easy. Mm-hmm. That's embarrassing. Yeah, That's but- embarrassing when Connor Ingram says that. You- and he, it did look easy for him because he really didn't have to do much. And that's a giant concern. Chief, why the offensive struggles? Well, it's hard to execute offensively when you don't have the puck. I mean, we, we had the puck at moments, but not long enough to do anything. And when we did have it, we didn't make any plays. We didn't execute anything. So it's hard to score. Puck possession, a key for the Blues. It'll be more difficult tomorrow against the Pittsburgh Penguins, who feature two of the great players in the history of the game in Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. The Blues need to come out with a sterling effort tomorrow against <laughs> the Arizona or against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and that game comes your way tomorrow night at six with the pregame with Alex Ferrario and Joe Vitale here on 101 ESPN. It evokes like a squeaky shiny. I like I like Sterling. Mm. Oh, no. I'm glad you like it. Coming up next, <laughs> we'll talk more blues and probably other stuff with our buddy Joe Vitale. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Joey Vitale views things a little differently. Just imagine how he looks at hockey. Whoa! This is The View from Vitale, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. You guys ever play the Immaculate Grid? Yep. Immaculate Grid is great. And yesterday, I was playing the Immaculate Grid hockey, and I needed a player that had played for the Penguins and the Coyotes. Mm. And I decided to go with Joe Vitale. Nice. Who's with us now on the Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN, our Blues analyst here on your home of the Blues. Good morning, Joey. How you doing? Hey, Randy. Good morning. I was equally uh, flattered and insulted when you used me because, A, I'm glad you used me, and that's where the flattering comes from. But then I was a little bit insulted when 
I was only used 0.2% of all the people participating. Come on, people. It's, it's a humbling thing, Joey. I was on one. I was about the same. 0.2. It might have been 0.02. I'm not sure. But, you know, nonetheless, you're on there, brother. We're good. It's like a uh, it's like a homecoming for me, Terry, because we played the Coyotes last night, uh, former club of mine, and the Pittsburgh Penguins coming to town, and, mm-hmm. and I don't ever ask you this, Terry, but you had to have hammered away a couple Permany brothers back in the day in Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, I, I love Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is one of the I, I tell people this is one of the best sports cities in the country. Uh, it's a lot like the Pittsburgh Pick, uh, Steelers. Remind me a lot of what fans feel here about the St. Louis Cardinals. It's the same type of energy, uh, same type of mo, you know, same type of mindset, and guys really enjoy. Families like to go to Steelers games. The, the the town shuts down on a Sunday night. I'm sure you've gone to a Steelers game, so it shuts down. It's just it's yeah. it's an it's, it's an exciting time. It's a great it's a great city and a very comparable to St. Louis. And uh, the the one and only Steelers game I went to. Uh, I was actually going there with Brooks Orpic and a couple a couple friends, and we actually stopped off at a Primanti Brothers where we got a big sandwich, and I'll never forget it. And for anyone out there who's been to Primanti Brothers, you know these sandwiches are stacked high. Mm-hmm. And Brooks Orpic is a very healthy, healthy. I mean, he was one of the, the first pros I've seen really take really good care of his body. And we'd sit down. I think he wanted a Reuben with just, like, the corned beef and bread, and that was <laughs> it. And I'll never forget this lady behind the counter. He's like, well, we um, we put everything on it. And he's like, no, I don't want the fries or I don't want the, you know, whatever. And she's like, she's like, we he is at Permanente. We put fries on our sandwiches. <laughs> he's like, no, no, I understand that, but can I just get him on the side then? He's like, he's like, what don't you understand, boy? And then we had some guy across the counter be like. Hey, Teresa, that's Brooks Orbit with the penguins. She's like, I don't care who he is. <laughs> she was yelling at him. And he was yelling at her. And man, we had the biggest laugh of our life. And she brought his sandwich out. Man, it was sack with fries. I think she actually put double fries on it just to make him more mad. There you go. <laughs> uh, Joey, Brooke was looking for a word of the day. And I, I believe that the Blues had what we could call a languorous effort oh. last oh. night. Oh. Uh, nice. For, for those, she wants us Context to. Context clues. Uh, so, yeah, languorous uh, is <laughs> lack of energy or vitality, sluggishness. Would, would a languorous effort well describe the Blues last night? I was going to say a little bit baffling, but I think your word trumps baffling. Yeah, <laughs> I, would, I, I would agree. And I think that, you know, just to be real, I think every player would say the same thing. That was a that was a frustrating loss last night, and not necessarily about you know losing you know. Uh, and, and I hate I hate saying like losing to the Coyotes. I think I think we need to stop saying that because every team in this league is good now. I mean the, the days of where you would go to you know Fort Lauderdale and beat up on the Panthers or go out to the desert and beat up on the Coyotes. I mean the league has changed so much. Every team is good. Uh, the parity is so close. And I think that from beyond that, though, it's not necessarily who they played. It's, it's the fashion of what they played. And I think that uh, the lack of passion at times, uh, the lack of intensity, uh, the lack of organization, especially having as many practice days they've had, that, that was certainly a little bit baffling. They, they, they grabbed a lot of momentum in the first two games. You go to Dallas, you grab a point against one of the best teams, you win in a shootout at home ice against a very good Seattle team, and all of a sudden you're starting to gain something. And I think that last night certainly was a step backwards. It's still very early. I don't think it's panic mode time just yet. But it is a little concerning uh, when you especially look at this group. A lot of these pieces were here last year. And that game very closely resembled a lot of the hockey we saw last season. 
Joey, do you agree with this? You, you can stomach a loss when you give great effort, when the team just beats you man-to-man. A guy is better than you in that moment. You can stomach that. But when it's the, the way it looked last night, just – did I call you Jamie or Joey? You said Joey. Yeah, I you, okay, Joey. <laughs> uh, uh, just the lack of energy, that's more troubling for me than just getting beat man-to-man, giving great effort. Yeah, you know, it was. it's one of those games, and, I, and I've been on those ice sheets where it's, it's not that the guys show up and they're like, hey, I don't really feel like playing tonight, or let's just you know take a night off. It's, it's never that. It's, it's almost something in the game that doesn't unfold the way it's supposed to, and you kind of start back on your heels, and you just really can't ever find time to grab it. you got to give a ton of credit to Arizona because they, they prevented St. Louis from grabbing that game at any moment. You know, uh, we talked to Steve Ott right after the game, immediately as soon as the horn rang. We always talked to him on our post game with Kerber and I. And, you know, he made a comment about or just our 10-foot execution was bad, meaning the 10-foot support, the 10-foot passing. I think Craig Ruby had a great comment saying the passing was just simply awful in the game. So when you don't, when you aren't connected and you're not supporting each other, uh, it makes it very hard to find any kind of momentum into the game. We looked at a four-check last night where the Blues were putting the pucks in decent spots. You'd have one four-checker, and then the second guy was really late, or the third guy was way behind. And all of a sudden, Arizona just double-teamed the puck period, and then before you know it, they're up and out of their zone. So when you play a team like that, and you're not spending any time in the offensive zone because the support isn't there and you're not moving your feet, well, at the end of the day, you're not going to spend a lot of time in the offensive zone, and then that's where the frustration happens. And that's where it almost looks as if there's just a poor effort. It's not that the intention of the effort wasn't there. It was there. It's just that when you're not moving your feet, and you're not, and you're allowing Arizona to break out so easily. It's a very frustrating style of hockey. It's almost like you know trying to bury yourself in quicksand. You try to work your way out of it, but the harder you work, the further you end up sinking. And so those games are very frustrating. Uh, but that one certainly will not sit well with this Blues team. And you know, like I said, it's three games in. It's, it's no reason to panic just yet. But I, but I know what it's like in the minds of a Braden Shen, who's a new, newly captain. He's trying to get this thing off on the right foot. You know, you're Jordan Kyrie, you're Robert Thomas, you're making $8 million in the franchise faces of, of this, this team moving forward. You know, you're Robert Thomas, you don't have a goal yet. You're Jordan Kyrie, you only have the one point. So a lot of these things, they're going to start festering up in these guys, and they're going to start kind of building. So this is why it's really important that they get reorganized today. They're going to be skating out of, that, out of Centene at 11 o'clock, get a really good practice in, a good morning skate tomorrow, because it really never is going to get easier. you got the Pittsburgh Penguins, like you mentioned, Randy, coming to town. Uh, two of still the best players in my, in my mind in the world. Uh, so it's going to be a big handful tomorrow night. Were you surprised that Jordan Bennington didn't start last night, considering that they did have so much time off? I know that they need to get Joel Hofer in some, but you kind of wonder in that situation if Jordan Bennington should have been in there. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think so. I think that was the right decision. I stand by it. I think Craig Berube would stand by it, too. Uh, you have to get Joel Hofer in there. If you go back to his last time he played, it was in a preseason game against the Blackhawks. That was October 7th, and he only actually came in for one period. And believe it or not, he only faced two shots in the one period he came in. So that was October 7th. If you were to fast forward to the first back-to-back, when you would try to get a backup in, Brooke, you're looking at the Calgary-Vancouver back-to-back, which is not until next week. So it would almost be a full month of not seeing a full game action for Joel Hofer, which is just too much time. So Craig Berube looks at the schedule. You figure between when preseason's over and that first back-to-back, you got to figure out a way to get him in somewhere. And I think that was a good game to get him in, a weekday against the Coyotes. Biddington has not been great against the Coyotes. Uh, so I thought it was the right call. I do to this day, and I, and I think Craig Brewery will stand behind it as well. You know, I think Joel, to be fair, would like to have a couple of those goals back. Uh, the one for Cartoni there that snuck underneath his pad, he almost reached over for the one on Jason Zucker. It barely nicked it with his glove. 
I'm sure he'd like to have a couple of them back, but for the most part, this was just um, uh, a team loss. The team was not good in front of them. Uh, it was lackadaisical at times. There was no connection coming out of the D zone. And it just was a poor performance from all the men in front of Joel Hofer. And it's unfortunate, too, because the backup, you know, your time between games is a lot more than a starter. So he's going to have to sit with this one for a little while. And allowing six goals is not the confidence boost you want for your backup goalie, who you're going to be leaning on a lot coming up this season. Joey V, a couple more things. Number one, how was the run this morning? The run was great. Uh, we were missing. We were one man down. It was just a trio of us, but we uh, we uncovered a lot. We uncovered a ton. We we had our coffee at Caldies, and uh, I'm feeling refreshed and, and ready for the day. I'm not looking forward to the winter weather. It gets colder and colder, though, Randy. I was going to bring that up because you guys are headed to Winnipeg. I guess, though, if you're going to go to Winnipeg, better in October than December, January, February, or March. I'm telling you one thing. I'm not going to complain about the schedule this year. This, we, we, we've knocked it out of the park, and a couple, a couple major details of the schedule look really good for the Blues team. You're, you're in Winnipeg early. I'm actually not even going to Winnipeg in, in January because I'm doing the game for Bally, so I'll be actually home doing the game out of studio. So this is my one and only to Winnipeg. I will take that. You know, one of the other things is uh, the ho- you look for the holidays as a hockey player. You know, we're home. Uh, right after Thanksgiving, we're going to be able to spend Thanksgiving with your family. We're not in Western Canada before Christmas. So there's plenty of things to be grateful for with this year's schedule, so you're not going to see one person complain. But, yeah, that's going to be the first big road trip next week. Winnipeg, Calgary, Vancouver, uh, only the one back-to-back. And I know that a lot of these Blues players are looking to, to get up to Canada to kind of get away a little bit, to kind of get a refresher and a reboot, hopefully, uh, to kind of turn this season around. Always good to hear your voice, sir. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Sounds good. Randy, Kerry, Brooke, you guys have a great weekend as well. See you later. That's Joe Vitale, our Blues analyst for your St. Louis Blues here on 101 ESPN. He and Chris Kerber tomorrow night. Uh, actually, Joey and Alex Ferrario will have the pregame at 6, and then uh, Kerbs and Joey with the action against the Penguins, Joey's former team, at 7 o'clock. What Gotta else can better. you say about about that game? It is Langris. concerning. Oh, we got more words. Yeah. Lackadaisical. Lackadaisical is another one. Yeah, it kind of fits right there. Yeah. Lethargic yeah. is the lethargic one. is another good one. Yep, all <laughs> those of those are good. All of those, are <laughs> those are good. Yep. So frustrating too. Yeah. Yes. Coming up, we've got the fight here on 101 ESPN, and we've got our fighter back from yesterday. Oh, now, I forgot about that. He's, does there he still need controversy. To, do, you forgot about the controversy, I CD? About it. Does yesterday count as a win? No, 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 it was, no. It's, it's, it's a, a round, it's a round one redo. Okay. It's just like this how Robert Thomas technically doesn't have a goal. <laughs> you know, because, just like yes, that. Because without the flub, you would have hit the jack and won. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to penalize him for my screw-up. You're not going to penalize you for my screw-up. So it's just a It's just a 100% redo. <laughs> I almost spit no out one, my coffee. No one beat you oh yesterday, God. Randy. You're good, buddy. <laughs> the fight is next on 101 ESPN. Oh, man. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the
Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis. Joined Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter returning due to a uh, mishap is John. John, how you doing? Doing well. How you doing? Doing well. You ready to take on Randy Carriker? Glad to be back. All right, here we go. Since the beginning of the since the beginning of the 32 team format, two teams have yet to win a playoff game. The Lions are one. Which AFC squad is the other? Is it the Raiders, the Dolphins, or the Texans? The Texans. Question number two. Daryl Porter took home both the NLCS and World Series MVP awards during the 82 postseason thanks to six extra base hits and six RBI. Who led the Cardinals offense that postseason with 10 RBI and three home runs? Was it Willie McGee, Keith Hernandez, or Tom Herb? Tom Herb. Happy trails to Springfield, Illinois native Andre Iguodala, who announced his retirement today. For which Eastern Conference team did he play the first years of his career? Was it the Heat, the 76ers, or the Nets? Uh, they're going to hate me for the 76ers. Which was the last Canadian franchise to appear in a Stanley Cup final? Was it the Vancouver Canucks, Calgary Flames, or Montreal Canadiens? Oh, man, the flames. Let's double check the score and bring in Randy Carricker. <laughs> Johnny, how you feel? Hey, look, I'm about 95 you? and 5 this time. Can I call you Johnny? You can call me whatever you want All to, right. sir. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> Got you. Uh, you said 95 and 5 this time? That's right. 95 good or, or, or bad? In the red. <laughs> In the red. That's what you said yesterday. But it worked out. Uh, it well, it kind of. Yeah, kind of. It, it rock Except helped. for the trickery. Yeah, rock, rock worked it out. So, Randy is prepared. He's coming back. He's uh, ready to roll on this great Friday. It's a, you, you playing golf today, sir? I may. It's, I don't know. It's going to be a beautiful day, yeah. You said you should have played this morning, John? That's that's right. Yeah, I should have played this morning. should have. But it was you, dark you, when I got you in You had to take a day off, Randy, and we know you don't like to do those. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm learning from the best. I'm learning from Tim McKernan. Oh, yeah. Randy, say hello to John again. John, good morning. How you doing? I'm all right, Randy. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right. You ready, Randy? Ready. Here we go. Since the beginning of the 32-team format, two teams have yet to win a playoff game. The Lions are one. Which AFC squad is the other? 32 teams in the NFL. Yep. Okay. AFC squad that has not won a playoff game. Yep. East. Um, It's almost got to be a team from the East. Buffalo has. The Jets have. Patriots have. Um, I think the last time the Dolphins won one might have been. I don't think they won when Jake Long, when they won that division in 08. 32 teams. So that start, that's the start of the 02 season. The Raiders went to the Super Bowl that year. Chiefs obviously have. Chargers obviously have. Broncos obviously have. Um... South, Jags, Titans, Colts, Texans have. Um, so East, West, North, North Ravens, Steelers, Browns, and uh, Bengals. I'm going to say it's the Miami Dolphins. 
Question number two, Daryl Porter took home both the NLCS and World Series MVP awards during the 82 postseason thanks to six extra base hits and six RBI. Mm -hmm. Who led the Cardinals offense that postseason with 10 RBI and three home runs? Um, The whole postseason, three home runs. Willie had two home runs in one game. I don't know if he hit another. Hernandez. It wasn't Obi. Wasn't Ozzy. Um, wasn't her. So I think we're down to Hendrick or Hernandez here. Because I don't think Willie hit another. I am going to play the chalk here. Lonnie didn't hit three home runs either. Um, well, we'll just let's just use the old lifeline here and, and just see if we can cut it down. Okay. Willie McGee, nope. Keith Hernandez, Tom Herb. I'll go with Keith Fernandez. I don't Willie hit hit two against the Brewers. I don't know if I don't Oh, you know what? He might have had I should have done this. He might have had an inside the park. I'll go with Willie McGee. Happy trails to Springfield, Illinois native Andre Iguodala, who announced his retirement today. Really? <laughs> For which Eastern Conference team did he play the first eight years of his career? First of all, Andre Iguodala. Uh, was in town for the Jason Tatum golf okay. tournament. Mm. Really, a, 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 an accomplished golfer, and uh, was bidding on a golf bag with a, a friend of a friend of Chris Muir's, uh, our friend from Golf Discount. And I think Chris went to Iguodala and said, "You know what? You can just make a phone call and get one of these Michael Jordan <laughs> golf bags." <laughs> so his friend got it. I think Iggy might have started with the Sixers, the other AI, right? The other AI, the other being Allen Iverson. Final question. Which was the last Canadian franchise to appear in a Stanley Cup final? I don't think anybody's played in the final since in the bubble, Montreal played. So I will go in the bubble of 2020 with the Montreal Canadiens. No Calgary, no Edmonton, no Winnipeg, no Toronto. No Vancouver, uh, no Ottawa. So I will go with the Montreal Canadiens' final answer. No controversy. We have a victor in today's fight. In a redo, was John able to claim the victory that some would say was stolen from him? Or does Randy move on and get retribution for my flub on Thursday? (laughs) Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. There it is. I'm sorry, John. You heard but Jack Buck, and that means that Randy hit the jack. He beat you four to one in today's fight. Alrighty. Thanks for having me. No Good problem, job, John. John. Thanks for joining. Since the beginning of the 32-team format, that would have been in the 2002 season. The only AFC squad to not make, win a playoff game is, in fact, the Miami Dolphins. Good chance they changed that this year. Mm-hmm. Daryl Porter took home the NLCS and World Series MVP awards during the 82 postseason thanks to six extra base hits and six RBI, but it was, in fact, Willie McGee who tagged together 10 RBI and three home runs. He had five RBI in each series. He had uh, 
two triples and a home run against the Brewers in the two home run game in the World Series, which was the or happy trails of Springfield, Illinois native Andre Iguodala, who announced his retirement today. He did, in fact, get drafted by and play with the 76ers the first eight years of his career. He was the second AI there. Obviously, I traded to the Nuggets, and then that's where you would follow years later. And the last Canadian franchise to appear in a Stanley Cup final was, in fact, the Montreal Canadiens when they lost in the bubble final to the Tampa Bay Lightning. That is a 4-1 win for Andy Carricker today. Thank you so much for John for joining the show and joining the fight. All right. Thank you, John. Good to have you with us. Have a great weekend. Coming up, St. Louis City SE ends their regular season tomorrow with Seattle in town. A big weekend coming up. How much can cities scenarios change on decision day? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. Start over at City Park for St. Louis City SC and Seattle in the regular season finale for St. Louis City SC. It's decision day in MLS. And kids, correct me if I'm wrong, but by the end of tomorrow, we'll know who our, our well, we'll have an idea as to who's going to play for the eighth seed to take on St. Louis City SC in the first round of the playoffs. There will be a uh, play-in game, kind of like the NBA, between 8 and 9, and it'll either be, as far as I can tell, Portland, Dallas, or San Jose. Am I correct here? Uh, the winner of the Sporting Kansas versus Minnesota United match, mm-hmm. the winner, if there is an outright winner of that match, they could jump to 44 points, and that would put them potentially in the running for the 8 or the 9, depending on what happens to Portland, Dallas, and San Jose earlier in the game. But if that game's a draw between... Kansas and Minnesota, they're both out. Okay, good. So what will happen is then we'll have a play in between eight and nine to take on number one. And it's going to be pretty cool to have an idea as to how St. Louis City will uh, have an opportunity to stack up against one of those teams. And it'll be a best of three to start the playoffs. And City is, uh, what, where are they at? They're number one, correct? Numero uno. So you don't mm-hmm. worry about it. You, yep. you Whoever, let them sort it out. They yep. fight each other. People get banged up, healthy, whatever the case may be, and then they come play you. And that's all you concern yourself with. Decision day, the decision has already been made for City. This is for everybody else. Five points ahead of second place LAFC. There you go. Uh, Matthew, in your opinion, and, and Brooke, because you've watched, uh, you've been at a lot of the games, is there somebody that St. Louis City should be rooting for to play here from among Portland, Dallas, San Jose, Kansas, or Minnesota? I mean, That's, yeah, it's yeah. easy. Who? Yeah, I want to drop Kansas again. Yeah. I mean, okay. the Kansas I love is that not, that rivalry. Yeah, is, Kansas yes. doesn't look good when they come into City Park, and I think that'd be a fun one. Well, not many. To be fair, not many people do. Very so good then, that's that's a big positive for City SC. This is where all the hard work is paying off for them, where you really like any of your chances because of how well that they have played at City Park 
they've been so dominant at home that it really doesn't matter. But I do agree with what you said, Rock. I would like to see Kansas again. Yeah, and, and the, the the worst one I think would be is all those teams winning and then Portland losing their match, dropping Portland into that 8-9 because I do think the Timbers are a lot more dangerous than just the 7th seed. And they're playing the Houston Dynamo who are trying to jump up to from the 4th to the 3rd seed to potentially protect mm-hmm. their home field later in the West playoffs. So Houston's going to be fighting, so Portland might not come out with that. That could be the rough one for Somebody texted in from the 618. Honest question, honest question. Why do you call it Sporting Kansas and not Sporting KC? Hey, oh, very um, good question. That's a very, very good question. question. That's a very legitimate question. Where do they reside? Um, it's because mm. that's where they reside. And, the great state of uh, Kansas. Yeah. And, and here's another reason. People from Kansas City hate Yes. When you call it Kansas, and we when you love tell that. them Kansas City, Missouri people that they from are you from Kansas City, Kansas? They they lose their minds. Randy, are we? We're just supposed to like shout like, out to when Beach. we get like official <laughs> when we hear the team like give official releases. We're just supposed to read it off that and kind of like it, Mama called him Clay. I'm gonna call him Clay. City calls him Sporting Kansas. I'm gonna call him Sporting Kansas. There you go. There I you love go. it. What and and they play in Kansas. Kansas. There you go. They do. They are, by the way, uh, Sporting Kansas. Uh, they claim to be the soccer capital of the United States. Yeah, know I don't true. know about that. Tell, tell us about how many players you had on the 1950 World Cup team that beat England. <laughs> there you go. Fire it right back at them. Yeah. I, and I love this. I love kind of building this budding rivalry between the two. Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. Now, here's one thing about City SC. They've had the number one seed clinched for some time. And this is one thing you worry about. Uh, Klaus asked uh, this question. That's not an excuse, you know. Yeah, well, we'll get in a rhythm here, but, you know, we, we should have been uh, more prepared and, and ready for the start uh, of the hockey game that we were tonight. I thought Klaus was from uh, somewhere else, not Canada. That sounds oh. like a Canadian. Does it sound like Brain a Canadian? Shinner. Yeah. Oh, okay. Rust like yeah. versus Rust. Oh my that's that's, that's what, the question, Randy. Uh, uh, well, well so you know, the, the, uh, it's, uh, the, the, uh, let's just assume that it's going to be Casey. Well, Kansas City had... Uh, they they were playing after having played three games in four nights, and you guys hadn't played in a long time. So uh, could that have been a reason? Oh, it happens. No. It's part of life. No. I do believe that with all of the injuries, and not just Klaus, but all of the things that City has had to deal with, people just being banged up, mm-hmm. that this last couple of weeks has really been beneficial for It had to have been really beneficial for them. Well, and also the timing of getting Klaus back, right? Getting Zhao Klaus healthy, even yeah. before this, mm-hmm. just getting him back to his full fitness and game speed, I think was really important. And then to have this break to just further secure his health. But he's not the only one. A lot of these guys are Leuven, banged up. Leuven was banged up yes. at one point. Yes, and they, so they giving them some time to rest up and having all your guys essentially that you were wanting for your starting 11 be healthy I think is hugely important and Carnell brought it up to us you know on this show when he mentioned he's like you know some of these guys have over 15,000 minutes played this 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 Mm -hmm. year and the collective build-up that you talk about with fatigue is is a very different conversation than just the week to week one that we usually have the conversation about and because of that I'm interested to see what the lineup's going to be tomorrow because City can know there's only there are like there are minute things that can actually be decided for city on decision day and that's simply the league standings which again only affects at this point 
who will be hosting the MLS Cup, but that can change things because tomorrow in the 5 o'clock slate, so these games will be over when City takes the field, uh, Columbus Crew and Philadelphia Union have matches. They can jump City in the overall league standing. So City can know before they even put a boot on the pitch. You like that? Yeah, um, I do a lot. They can know oh, yes. before they even put a boot on the pitch if they're playing for anything at all. So I'm wondering if that maybe does affect Carnell's mindset when thinking, well, if we get three points, only Cincinnati and Seattle are above us, or we can just coast on this one. It doesn't matter what we get because we're third in the league standings, solid as a rock. Nobody changes. I do you, I do want to see the big boys for a half. Yes, I do. Just to, yes. just to stay yes. prepared, yep. warmed up, yep. ready to roll. Right. Especially with this much time off, I would like to see that. Here's what we have coming, over, coming up over at City Park over the weekend. Today, and you can get tickets at SeatGeek.com. They're free tickets. The City Block Party featuring Ava Max and a collaboration announcement. Then tomorrow, you've got the City Block Party before the match against Seattle on the pitch over at City Park. Uh, you're going to have Skate Laborious, the former St. Laborious Church, reimagined into a cultural hub for local skate and art communities before it was destroyed by a fire in 2023. And uh, we'll have skateboarding demos on the plaza. We're also going to have Hazmat, local band, getting everybody fired up before the match tomorrow. And then on Sunday, a playoff launch party. That's also going to take place over at City Park at the Lufius Plaza. All ages invited to paint the city red. Carolyn Kindle is going to be there. Lutz Fahnensteel is going to be there. Bradley Carnell will be on hand to rally fans around the postseason. And you don't want to miss that. So check it out this weekend. And you can get all the information at stlouiscitysc.com. And the weather will be fantastic mm-hmm. this weekend. I was telling you guys, and somebody texted in, I think, last week saying I should be a weather girl, uh, not on radio. So I'll, I'll be a weather girl <laughs> right now. Um, this weekend, the weather is going to be fantastic. You will be hitting around the high 60s, high 70s, perfect time to get outside and see things here in St. Louis, including that free zoo, Aranola, if you feel like ever coming back into town and seeing that, you can see that as well. I think he can afford to go to any zoo in the country. Yeah. He can buy a zoo. Yeah, I mean, could. they could actually... <laughs> Let him in the zoo for free if he if he really wanted it. I don't. Well, that's really, part of the yeah. deal, right? That we'll be offering eight Here. years, two hundred plus million plus. Yeah. All not, you can want as, access to the zoo. But it's free for everybody. It's better mm-hmm. when it's just free for you. But he can like True. go whenever. That's that's part of <laughs> that sweetens the pot, CD. <laughs> that's controlled chaos here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, if you're a coach or a manager in pro sports, is it worse to potentially lose the ear of your team or to be an idiot? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. You can watch us on the YouTube. Our Air Alliance Team Studio Cam is at YouTube. Just go to 101 ESPN STL. Watch us there, and don't forget to subscribe to 101 ESPN on the YouTube machine. And if you missed anything, Joe Vitale this morning, maybe Jay Delsing uh, or Polo Asensio coming up in our next segment, you can listen again with the podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, available both on 101ESPN.com and on our app. The Blues lost to the Arizona Coyotes 6-2 last night over at Enterprise Center. It was a 2-1 game in the second period, and then everything disintegrated, and the Blues fall by a score of 6-2, and uh, what we call a languorous or a lackadaisical, what was the other? We had three good words. Lethargic, Lethargic yeah. effort on the part of the Blues. Uh, Coach Craig Berube, 
Did this kind of come out of nowhere? Yeah, very surprised. Um, so yeah, we got work to do. Got to get get back at it and work and get and get going here again. Um, yeah, it was surprising for me. I thought that uh, we were ready to go, and we obviously, like I said, we didn't skate, didn't have any execution with the puck. You see that from, was, was that all, all game, all game. And I can't imagine that Craig Berube could lose the ear of a group of players. Just can't imagine that. Clearly, they showed up and didn't exhibit great effort last night. And I hope that this was – and by the way, it's across the board – Best players, uh, the, the players that aren't. Uh, who had a great game last night? Anybody have a great game last night? Just not Verana. A great. I don't yeah. know. If it was, but I mean, even great. Not, not at least he was great. noticeable. Good. He was. He did. Pretty, he was the only good. one that did yeah. anything essentially. But the power play was bad yes. again. The PK penalty was kill bad. Was bad. And Braden Shen was was asked about the lack of specialness to the special teams. I mean, there's no sugarcoating. It's just got to be better. There's really nothing I can uh, can, can say right now that uh, is going to give us the magic answer. But, um, you know, we just we got on the PK. Uh, we got seen way too many times tonight, gave up way too many chances. And, and power plays just, it's just flat out execution. You're not going to score every time. But, um, you know, we, we had a couple looks early, but even then the execution wasn't great. And then we, on the first power play, we started giving up odd man rushes and, and, you always say when you when you have the power play, if you're not going to score, you have to at least build momentum, and, and we didn't feel like we did that in the power play tonight. And I understand that it's only game three, and I, I, I'm a big-picture guy. So, yes, it is only game three, and there's a lot to come. But am I concerned about the third game of the season, the second home game of the season, where there is basically a 60-minute lack of effort on the part of the squad. I am concerned about that. I think you have to be concerned because there is a trend that is happening in these three games, even though it is early on, is it feels like they're not establishing themselves in the first period. And I know that there's obviously more than just the first period, but you saw specifically in that game last night, instead of like how they have done in some of the previous and the second, third period, able to kind of find their way back, not establishing themselves in the first period is a concerning trend because it looks like you're not prepared for that game and it looks like you can't get to your own game and you're not setting the tone for that. And when you're doing that, you're playing on your heels and that is exactly what happened with the Coyotes last night. My question would be is what is the Blues game? Now you said getting to your game. What is their game? We haven't, they're not They're not good on the power play. Last night they weren't good on the penalty kill. They, they aren't good at times in 5-on-5. Five five. They turn the puck over too many times. The, the puck is in their defensive zone too often. They're not in the offensive zone enough. What is their game and so I think that's a question that needs to be answered who what's their identity you have to have an identity no matter what sport you're playing who you are how you're going to play the game are you going to be great at passing skating being physical more more out more physical than the opposing team figuring out who they are and what they are and then again the the number of shots on goal is is alarming Mm -hmm. because last night it was 42 you gave up six of them it's just a, a lot of things that I think could be better. And for me, the issue, it goes back to the players on the ice. The guys coming out, as we said, all of those uh, adjectives that we gave, lethargic, lackadaisical, what was the other Langerous. one? Langorous. Those are <laughs> th- That's troubling when that's how you perform. And, mm-hmm. and coaches get fired every year, right, in every sport. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, they may not have the ear of the team anymore or guys aren't performing as well. That doesn't mean that the coaches are performing poorly or they aren't doing their job well enough. There are some coaches, I think Brandon Staley 
is having a tough go at it in in the NFL because for the he's Chargers. Incompetent? Yes, I think Matt Canada doesn't call offense very well. I thought Greg Roman didn't do a good job of calling the offense, and guys were right in the same area. So there are times where people do deserve to be fired for their job. It's not when your players aren't performing well. I don't like this guy, so I'm not going to go out there and perform well. I don't like what he's saying or how he's saying it. That's not on the coach. That's on the player to figure out how to get it all together and go out there and put your best effort out there as a team, collectively, as a unit. I agree. I mean, Craig Berube, and I've been saying this, just seeing what he was able to do during that Blue Stanley Cup run Mm -hmm. was absolutely incredible. But... That was a different group of players, and this is a different group of players now. Even though you do still have some of those same pieces, my concern here is if we're going to eventually get to a crossroads, and we are just three games in, so there's no telling how quick that they could possibly turn this around. My concern is do we eventually do here get to a crossroads because you do have that investment in these young Mm -hmm. players. If they are not able to vibe with the head coach, how many times have we seen, especially in the NHL, when your core essentially that you have invested in and those are the ones that you're putting in the forefront because they are on your top line. If it's not meshing well or if something's not resonating between the coach and with your main players, you might become come at a crossroads here. And I think that Braden Shin is a fantastic leader and that he follows Craig Berube. I'm just wondering if some of these other players are not fully bought in with some of this because that's just what it feels like right now. It feels like with that top line just disappearing, I know that Pavel Buchnevich is up in the press box. He's still recovering from injury right now. But Pavel Buchnevich isn't the one making all that big money. He yeah. deserves more money, but even if you lose him, you still are expecting more from Robert Thomas, from Jordan Cairo, from the other guys. It shouldn't just all be on number 89. He's not the only one on this team that should be generating chances in offense. It's just a little bit concerning because there are some similarities to last season, and I Baruby is a fantastic coach, and I don't think he should go, but you do wonder if it's going to get to that point if things do not change here because... I mean, special teams is concerning. And then we talked about things defensively. And then offensively, the scoring is an mm-hmm. issue. Baseball last night, the Astros even their series with the Rangers with a 10-3 victory at Globe Life Field. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks were able to hold off the Phillies or come back and beat the Phillies on a walk-off. 2-1 in the bottom of the ninth, Kettle Marte driving home the winning run. The big story of this game, though, was Brandon Fott, the Diamondback starter. Thank you. He went five and two-thirds. He allowed two hits. He didn't walk anybody and struck out nine. Despite that, his manager, Tori Lavallo, saw fit to take him out of the game. The conversations are very typical, you know. Am I an idiot if I take him out of the game with nine strikeouts at five and two-thirds? Um, those are the things that I'm asking and try to keep it loose. But we, I'm asking them if the manager is an idiot after taking him out of the game for five and two, after five and two-thirds. And I know it's a very unpopular decision. But we have we have great information about how we can and a plan and a roadmap that when there's limited emotion and limited stimulus, what's the best decision to move this thing forward and control a very, very potent offense. Now, he took out a picture that, according to ESPN stats and info, Brandon Fott is the first in MLB history to have. No runs allowed and no walks allowed in consecutive postseason starts. So to answer your first question, ever. yeah, first ever, first in only. 150 years. To answer your question, Tori, am I an idiot if I take him out? Yes, you are. <laughs> now you got away with it. You you, you yeah. did, but 
why not just watch the game that you're watching? He wasn't throwing low or high stress pitches. Everything was low stress. He'd only thrown 70 pitches. It wasn't like they had him on some ridiculous pitch limit. He had thrown earlier in this season. Uh, 67 pitches, 87, 81. He had starts of 90, 86, 107, 92, 88, 84. So it wasn't like he was overtaxed, like Fott was overtaxed. It's it's almost like the the skipper, Tori Lavallo, just looked at the spreadsheet and said, oh, I got to take him out because we might be coming up on the ter- third time through the order. That should not be how you manage. You manage based on stuff and success and what the future holds, and unfortunately for the Diamondbacks, part of what the future holds is not having either Zach Gallen or Merrill Kelly available for the next game. And that, when you had to use up your bullpen as much as they did, and they didn't have to, but they did, that leaves you in a situation where you have to probably start Joe Mantiply, a reliever, for Game 4 when you're trying to even the series. And that's why it made it even a little bit more confusing, because if you're playing to win and then you know you're also prepping for the next game, you're looking ahead, right? That's what you should be doing. You know it's going to be a bullpen game, and then you're using up your bullpen. When Font looks fantastic, that is a little bit head-scratching, and it looks like that could be a move that's not going to pay off maybe in the long run. It paid off in that game, but you wonder if it's going to pay off in the long run. And it did. It just resurrected memories of that whole Blake Snell situation. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it earlier. What happened to the days of even the 90s postseason? Joe Torre just letting uh, who was it? It was Cone, right? Mm -hmm. Cone reached like 147 pitches, 130-something pitches. Where are those days of just letting players get to that point or even just letting them just pitch even longer than that with Fott because it looked confusing and then even afterwards Tommy Pham mentioned that it's not a decision that he would have made. And also, I mean, it was a, a two-out inning. He had already yeah. gotten two outs. He was facing uh, Schwarber. He would have been facing Schwarber with nobody on base. You're, the game is 0-0. And as you said, today is going to probably be a bullpen game. You would think that maybe you let that let him go out there and face Schwarber, even though it was his third time facing him in that game. I know the analytics, ooh, we say don't do it. But uh, you ended up giving up a run the next inning, and you were down 1-0 either way. So, again – they won the game, so maybe we're, we're picking at, at, at something that it didn't really matter as much. But at the end of the day, I think I would have left my pitcher in and seen how far he can go. Okay, yep. question. Quick question for you. 2011, Game 5, National League Division Series, Cardinals at Philadelphia. Chris Carpenter has given you five strong innings. He gets Jimmy Rollins to ground out, so he's gone five and a third, okay? The next hitter, Chase Utley, singles with Hunter Pence coming up. Mm. Does Tony LaRusso take Chris Carpenter out of that game? No. Nope. Heck no. Can you no. imagine the look on Carpenter's face? I feel like Car- I, I would. <laughs> Carpenter's face would. He, he might have got up to the top of the steps and looked at Carpenter's eyes mm-hmm. and said, yeah, that's probably. And Tony, I think he's a pretty tough guy. But I think in that moment, he's, you know, you know and I'll, I'll sit back down. Yeah. <laughs> and Carpenter wasn't as good in that game as Brandon Fott was last night, yesterday, for the Diamondbacks. So the game has changed, and unfortunately, it's not for the better. Coming up, Yadier Molina might be returning to the Cardinals as a coach. One of our favorites, Polo Asensio, Brooks' podcast partner, is very tight with Yadi, and he's going to give us some thoughts on the Yadi situation next on 101 ESPN. You're back.
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke Grimsley and Carrie Davis, I am Randy Carricker. It's the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. And our friend, Polo Asensio, the Cardinals' Spanish language play-by-play man, is with us on the Celebrity Line. Good morning, Polo. How you doing? Buenos dias, Randy. Buenos dias, Brooke. Buenos dias, Carrie. I'm doing fantastic. It's a brisk uh... 55 degrees here in the central coast of California. And it's always good to talk to you guys. And when I say you guys and girls, um, <laughs> talking about you and about everybody in St. Louis, it's just a pleasure. And Brooke, my partner in crime, as you know, with yep. uh, a future to, future award-winning show, Buck About It. We're going we're gonna to rake up all the Emmys and the Grammys and the everything. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. Hey, uh, Polo, it was so cool to have that final weekend for Adam Wainwright and everything that went into it. And we know that you and Yachty were in communication during the course of that weekend. And uh, I want to get from you how Yachty felt, uh, before we get into Yachty perhaps coming back, how, how Yachty felt about that weekend. Oh, my God. Um, I can tell you, I mean, I know I only have like 10, 12 minutes or so. Um, hey, if, if you want to hear a little more about this, l- listen to this. Go to Bach About It. The latest episode of Bach About It talks at length of what Yadi was doing. But um, what, what, what I can tell you is he was very nervous. He was very nervous. He was anxious uh, about being back in St. Louis because he didn't know how the fans were going to react to him. Uh, I believe it or not, and like I said, go go back to, to the last uh, or the latest episode of Bach about it with Polo Ascension and Brooke Griffin. And it's on the one yeah, Polo. I want to tell people it's on the one hundred and one ESPN YouTube page. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Um, there was a point, Randy, where Yadi, when I was in the car with Yadi, when we came to 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 Bush, because he, you know, he texted me if I could please go and pick him up from his hotel. And I'm like, of course. I mean, are you kidding me? Well, what, number one, who's going to say no to Yachty? Nobody says no to Yachty. <laughs> and, and, and number two, as, as you guys know, and it's well documented, uh, the relationship that that is, you know, that has grown over the years with, with, with Yachty and myself, it's it just, you know, we're, 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 we're good buddies. Um, he didn't want to get out of the car. At one point, he did not want to get out of the car, of my car, because he didn't know, he was, he was, uh, very anxious and, and even a little afraid of the reaction the fans were going to get. And after like 10 minutes of him just talking and talking and stalling and telling me all these, you know, things that he's doing and what he's planning, I looked at him and said, hey, it's time for you to go. It's time, like, like, like for real, like, like, like you don't need to leave, but you cannot stay in my car. And, and, and then um, he looks at me, I'm like, you, you're, you're, you're afraid, aren't you? You're, you're like, you're, you're, you're scared. You're anxious about what the reaction is going to be. And he looks at me and I'm like, Yaddy, you see those walls? You see that stadium? You built that stadium. Said so you are the one who has played the most games inside that stadium. You are the one that the fans have cheered for the most since this stadium opened. And now you are scared. You are anxious. You, you are like having doubts about, about going in there. And he looked at me. He's like, you think you know everything? I'm like, I don't think I know everything. I know everything, Yadi. I know everything. So at that, at that moment, you know, we had one of those bro moments. And um, and he's like, okay, give me one more minute, one minute, one minute. And I just like, I, I shook my head. And before the minute, he's like, all right, let's go. He opens the door. He starts walking. And the minute he starts walking, the guards inside the gates, 
hey, Yadi, welcome back. Hey, Yadi, welcome back. And I looked at him, and I gave him a, like, I put my, my arm around him. I said, you see, this is your house, bro. Every time you come back, people are going to love you. I don't care. I told him, you can kick a puppy in front of these people, and they will cheer for you. They will cheer for you. Maybe not that far. <laughs> hey, hey, trust me. You know what? Maybe we should do it. Maybe we should do it. No, no. No. But at the end, at the end, needless to say, uh, he was very, very happy. He spent most of the time uh, uh, during the game in our booth with Benjamin Molina, his brother, my partner in the booth. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So he was a little, St. Louis, if you can believe this, he was a little hesitant, a little scared, a little nervous of, of being back in St. Louis, of going back into the stadium. But at the end, when he left, he just said, this is fun and uh, I'm going to come back soon. So let's see. Polo, that was a fantastic story. And it seemed like it really worked out well for that weekend. And he was really happy because according to reports, it was also that weekend that Yadier Molina started talking to the Cardinals about a potential return here to St. Louis, possibly in a management role, possibly in a coaching staff role. What role do you think would be best for Yadier Molina if he does come back here to St. Louis? Let me tell you something, Brooke. He did a fantastic job in the booth. Like when I was calling the game, he was calling pitches from up there. He was like, oh, I, I will do this. I will do that. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? He was like almost the perfect uh, color commentator. So hopefully he comes back in the booth with me and, and, and Benji. <laughs> but um, I, I don't think that's going to be it. Uh, if he comes back, when, I'm not going to say if, when he comes back, because he will, at some point he will. I think it's better, especially like right now, obviously we have our manager, Olivier Marmol. But if he comes back next season, I think it's better for him to be a coach, to be somebody that that puts all of his knowledge, and not only his knowledge, but his presence. And I talked to, to Yari about this. Uh, I had a chance to do a, a, a long interview with Jose Kendall this season when he came for the Hall of Fame uh, uh, induction. And I told him, Jose, do you understand that you are the next one in that line of Cardinal Way teachers? Right, the mentors, the the Red Chindis are done. The the David, the Ricketts are done. Like all these people that have grown with this Cardinal way are pretty much gone now. You are it now, Jose Okendo. And I talked to to Yari about that the same way. Like, dude, now it's up to you. It's up to those guys that grew up in this organization to make sure that the kids that are coming up through the organization and those superstars that are coming in from other teams understand what the cardinal way is and he, again he was looking at me like who the hell is this guy telling me all this stuff right <laughs> and, and, and i think that's that's the best the, the best thing for him to do coming as a coach talk to the kids as a coach talk to every single player in there as a coach and the presence that he has i talked to julio rangel who is the, the bullpen coach for the cardinals and he has never met yadier molina right he has never met him so i talked to him the day after on the Monday. And, and I said, Hey, have you ever talked to Yadi? Cause we know it was a big thing, right? When he came back and, and his appearance and everything. And he told me like, I've never seen him that close. I didn't know he was here. That's what Julio Rangel told me. And at one moment I looked to my left and I see this huge man walking next to me. And I mean, Yadi is big, but he's not huge. Mm -hmm. But in baseball references, he is one of the biggest ever. So for the coach, for a new coach of the Cardinals to tell me, when he looked, he felt goosebumps just mm -hmm. looking at Yadier Molina, tells you how, how important 
having somebody like that in your clubhouse, especially after the horrible season that we just had coming into 2024. So hopefully if this happens, hopefully when this happens and Yadi comes back, that same effect that he had those 15, 20 seconds on, on Julio Rangel, he has on all those kids. And you know, Randy, he will. Because, I mean, you, you've been around, you've seen everybody. You know that when you have somebody like that next to you, somehow your energy levels go up, you're, 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 you're bumping, you're pumping, you're doing things. And when he comes back, I think he's going to be of a lot of help for Oliver Marmol, for all the coaches, and for every single one of those players in the big league club all the way down to the to the uh, the single A club. Yeah, Polo, that's what I was thinking. Just the the amount of help, the 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 coaching that he did while he was here as a player, just helping out teammates, making sure everybody was on the same page. You can you can you can't really put a number on that of uh, how important that is because he has done a great job and if he were here I think it not only helps the pitching staff I think it helps the catchers I think it helps the lineup because I think you have Wilson Contreras playing every day at catcher and now you can have a, a another person in DH that's going to allow the lineup to be better he, he's going to help everybody when, when he comes in he is going to help everybody he's going to help me He's going to help you guys. You guys are going to have better ratings because of Yadier Molina. I'm telling you, <laughs> he's going to help everybody in San Luis. Again, just because the bad season that we had and then coming in, I mean, having him coming back, if it happens for this next season, it's going to be huge. I've talked to a few of, of the current players, the players in the roster right now, about the whole situation, about, you know, the rumors, about, hey, what do you think about this? They are pumped. Just, just thinking, just thinking that Yadi can be back as soon as next season to help the team, to coach the team, to do something to help them get to the next level. It's getting the players excited. Okay? Just, just thinking about it. Now imagine having him there. And, and just so people know this, he, Yadi was never a guy who's going to throw things, he's going to go into the clubhouse and break anything like a lot of others do, and everybody does their own way. But whenever he felt that he needed to say something, he was going to say it, and he did say it. So if you think that he is every day, because it's tiring, as, as you guys know, to be talking and, and cheering people up every single day. But when he needed the, he, when he had the need to talk, he did. And when he talked, everybody in that clubhouse listened. And uh, hopefully, again, uh, when he comes back, he, they listen and he helps this team get to the next level. Obviously, you also need a few players here and there because, you know, at the end of the season, our roster looked a lot like Memphis. But uh, hopefully 2024 is not going to look like Memphis. It's going to look like the real Cardinals. Okay, Polo, so in that answer, you said if he comes back and when he comes back. Scale of 1 to 10 of Yachty coming back. What do you think? 11. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Wow. I like that a lot. But, but also to add to that, so you're saying 11 for next season? Yeah. Uh, next season, 15. Mm. Oh. Okay. Even higher. I yeah. like the chances of that continuing uh, yeah. to go up. I do too. You see, I, I read the same things that you guys read, and, and you guys are very smart. Everybody is very smart. And, and, and I think the chances of Yadi being here in 2024 are really, really high. They are really, really, really high. Again, what is he going to do? I don't know yet. We don't know yet. But 2024, if, you, if, you, if I was a betting man and if I was in Vegas right now, I'll put money down that he's going to be here in 2024 doing something with the Cardinals as a coach. Polo, since you got back to California, have you made any of that famous guacamole? Yes, I have. Actually, my son, uh, before I left for my last trip to St. Louis, my son went to the backyard and he picked, he counted them. 
because uh, he counts the, the the avocados that he picks every time. And this this time it was 38 of them. I can tell you that we have about six of them left. So every day for the last uh, week and a half or two since those avocados got raped, uh, got ready to go, um, um, we've been eating avocado. Actually, last night I made myself a torta, a ham and cheese, oh, tomato, mm. uh, lettuce, and I avocado love torta. I love tortas. Let, okay, let me give you a quick, a quick, a quick, uh, a quick, uh, a little hint, uh, Carrie, and everybody okay. who likes the torta. So you buy, you buy your bread, right? You buy it wherever you go. You slice it, and then you put the mayonnaise. Well, let me tell you. Let me give you a little hint. Uh, turn on a skillet. You know, a skillet. We call it comal in Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's comal. Uh, you know, where you where you heat up your tortillas, because tortillas are not to be heat up in the microwave, Randy. Right. You look like somebody who heats up his tortillas in the microwave. <laughs> I'm the skilling guy all the way. <laughs> okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know, Randy. So get that thing skillet, right? And heat up the bread, both sides, just, just enough. And then put the mayonnaise on the side where the mayonnaise goes. And then you burn the mayonnaise a little. Mm. You crisp that mayonnaise. Yes. You crisp, crisp that mayonnaise. So it's kind of like when you when you put butter in your bun that the butter goes in, mayonnaise is going to go into your bun. At that at that point, you take your bun out, you put your ham, you put your cheese, you put everything you want to put in there, and you can thank me later. But that that is the right way to to eat a, to make a torta when you have a skillet, when you have gas and all that stuff. So yes, Randy, avocado making for the last uh, <laughs> uh, almost two weeks now at the Asensio household. Sadly, we only have five left. They are ready to go. So today I'm going to go uh, outside and look for some. Hopefully we have still more on that tree in the back. And uh, I will actually, I'll, I'll even send you a picture, Randy. All right. I, I love it. You always provide us great information, Polo. Thanks. And <laughs> again, we want uh, people to watch Bach About It with Polo and Brooke. And you can see it on our YouTube channel. Have a great day and thanks for taking the time. Hey, anytime, anytime. Thank you so much, guys. And I appreciate you guys. I listen to you guys. Uh, as much as I can, especially I actually listen to the podcast because it's too early for me here in California. But hey, <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, things continue to be well for all of you. And I love you. Thank you again. And Rakio, appreciate you, my man. Right. <laughs> Rakio, thank you, Polo. Appreciate you, Polo. Sensio with us on 101 ESPN. So, an 11. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I think the chances of Yadi being here 2024 are really, really high. They are really, really, really high. Again, what is he going to do? I don't know yet. We don't know yet. But 2024, if if I was a betting man and if I was in Vegas right now, I'll put money down that he's going to be here in 2024 doing something with the Cardinals as a coach. That is Polo Asensio in our last segment here on 101 ESPN. That's a pretty strong endorsement for the idea that Yadier Molina will be a part of the Cardinals, whether it's on the coaching staff or maybe in the front office or maybe even in the Spanish broadcast booth in 2024. (laughs) He'll be a little bit of everywhere is what I've Mm -hmm. gathered from that interview. It is interesting. Polo Asensio, as you mentioned, their Cardinals Spanish broadcaster, has a very close relationship with a lot of the players, but especially Yadier Molina, Benji Molina, of course, his brother in the broadcast booth with him. And I think with Yanni, that whole weekend was hugely important for not only Yanni or Molina, because, you know, sometimes you wonder, even if he was just gone for a little bit, it was essentially not that long Mm -hmm. because he retired last season. But you kind of wonder, 
I wonder if people do want me back. How would they feel? And to see that reaction from the yeah. fan base, which I think is to us, it's like, well, that's not surprising. But right. maybe to Yachty, you never know exactly what that response will be like. And then you have all that nostalgia come back. He speaks about Adam Wainwright. You see the reaction that he gets. And then he goes and reportedly talks to the Cardinals front office. And that's where it seems like things really just took off from there in these conversations. There's a lot to like about him coming back. I want you guys to tell me what excites you most about the prospect of Yadier Molina coming back. For me, it's making the catchers better, which by extension makes the pitchers better. If the catchers are better, calling better games, if they have a better game plan to attack the opposition, which Yadier Molina was expert at, a coach in that environment can make the whole team better simply because the catchers are more on the same page and are able to manage the game with the pitchers better. I, there's a lot to like, but that would be my f- favorite and most exciting thing. For me, it's it's having a, a legend, a guy that has played the position for so long, and understands the ins and outs, as you said, of a pitching staff, of how to work with catchers, being a catcher for his entire career. You know, understanding the nuances of that position and exactly what it requires to, to be successful and, and to have longevity. Because, you know, playing 19 years at that position is a tough job to do, to get down in that position in a 100-degree heat like the, the mental fatigue that you get from playing that position day in and day out. Uh, being there to kind of walk our guys through that, both on the mound and, and behind the plate. And again, when you add that, I think that puts Wilson Contreras in a better situation, which also helps out, as you said, the pitchers, the catchers, but also your lineup. Mm-hmm. Because now you have an actual DH and you're not losing an at-bat uh, you know, because you have a guy that isn't as good behind the plate or at the plate as Wilson Contreras is. I agree. I think the biggest thing is his presence coming back. We talked about how it almost felt like you wish at times that you, the especially the season in the clubhouse, that you had like a Chris Carpenter-esque type player, a Yadier Molina, a guy with an edge like that. And when Polo was talking about Yadi's presence, it is very just interesting to witness in person. And of course, I think a lot of it mentally, you know, you knowing what Yadier Molina has done, that factors into it. But some people just have that. You guys have met people like that, mm-hmm. right? Just have that presence, that air about them where you just know that when they talk, you are just going to you're like stopping and listening to everything they say. Yadier Molina has that presence. And the way that people will listen to him, I think, is a huge aspect. And I think that the thing that's most exciting to me is that to me, and Greg mentioned this yesterday, it's John Mosellock, it's the Cardinals realizing that if you want to continue the Cardinals way, as we talk about the Cardinal way, then you need to have somebody like Yadier Molina back here in your organization, specifically on your coaching staff, to make sure you can continue that. And I think to advance what you say, Brooke, think about the way that Nolan Arenado reveres Yachty. I don't know if players are the same with a coach as they are with a player, but I'm sure that most of the guys around this team will look at him as still Yachty the player, even though he doesn't have a role on the field anymore. It, it depends on the coach. If you have a coach that has had success and has had, you know, it it it, it varies. It depends on the person. It depends on the coach. Um, but having Yadier Molina back in the fold in any form or fashion, even if it's as a consultant mm-hmm. and not here, you know, every single day, but you know, coming on, coming here every every few weeks or every few every month or so, whatever you can get. Is, is beneficial. Now, if he's there every single day, you're in better shape than you are if he's not. But just having a guy like that around, again, a guy that has done everything in this game, been a world champion, all-star, future Hall of Famer, has done everything you can ask 
you want that guy on your on your bench. Take it or leave it. Yadier Molina in uniform for the Cardinals in spring training. That at some point during the six weeks of spring training, Yadier Molina and Lars Newt Bar have a bonding moment over contact injuries. Oh. <laughs> Take it. Take, I was like, I was like, where is this going with Lars so Newt Bar? Happened, then, <laughs> so when you, yeah, so it, yeah, how long were you? Oh, mine, mine exploded. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna I, say, well, Yadier's was worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I still to this day. Still get squeamish oh, yeah, when I too. think about it. Right now. Doesn't feel. Doesn't feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally can relate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah. Coming up, we're gonna head down the stretch with rock and roll and the betting slip on this Friday on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. A couple of things as we get to rock and roll. First of all, Kerry Davis just revealed to us that he wants to be in a musical. I know there's people from the Muni that are listening right now. We need to get Kerry Davis on stage next summer. I would love to. That'd be great. You'd be great. Kerry can sing. Do you have a dream part? Huh? Do you have a dream part? Eh, not really. I mean, just, right. you know, I, I enjoy, I, I miss acting. How about, how I miss. About, how about Tavia you know, and Fiddler on the Roof? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't All right. Know. I have to. Yeah. It's a heavy singing part. You'd be a great Joseph and Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor oh, Dream oh, Cup. Okay. Oh. I like that. Oh. What about, what about uh, the king and King and I? Hmm. That sounds English. No, sounds he's, English. he's the king of Siam. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you who okay. you are. I'll tell you what. I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you who you are. No, yes. you, have to, you have to be I bold for the part. Bald. It's perfect, Same I think. Here. I'm cutting it off. I'm Shall not. we dance, baby? Thomas Jefferson and Hamilton. Oh! oh. Thomas Jefferson's coming home. <laughs> Wouldn't he be Hamilton? Huh? Why not Hamilton? Didn't, which one got shot? Tom, oh, that's Alan Ham, Burr. Hamilton's the one who got shot by, by Burr. Alan Burr. Yeah. By, yeah. Uh, no, because the, get shot. the role, the the role of Thomas Jefferson <laughs> is perfect for you. Okay, the other thing that we Sign need to bring up. up is when I was oh, in school, really? back in my day, we <laughs> were taught in science class about the four food groups. Starch, <laughs> fruits and vegetables, protein, oh, dairy. No. Uh, we, I, I brought in Reese's this morning, and Brooke Grimsley refuses to believe that Reese's, or Are as healthy? you say, Reese's. Oh, no. I don't know why. I, I feel like My everybody has their Reese's way of too. Say, I used saying. to say pizza was in the four food groups as well. It is. A, well, here's yeah. the thing. It can be with it, your toppings. Technically. There yeah. you go. You're good. Yeah. So Reese's has skim milk. That takes care of your dairy portion, okay. does it not? It has vegetable oil. That takes care of your vegetable I, portion. I don't think that that's Either the palm same. oil, shea oil, or sunflower oil. <laughs> Or safflower oil. So uh, vegetables, okay? Okay. Work with me here. Okay, flour. That's a starch, is it not? Yes. Yeah. And then peanuts or protein. What about food groups represented? Sugar. That, that is represented, well, and that is not healthy. Where does sugar come from? A plant, right? How can you say it's not a plant? It's a vegetable. It's not. It's not overly. It's sugar. It's a healthy. sugar cane. Mm. Come on, you telling me the vegetables aren't healthy now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're twisting my words here, I, sir. I like how you are changing <laughs> as So anyway, uh, yes, if, if you want to represent all four food groups for lunch today, just go pick yourself up a Reese's or Reese's. Hmm. There you go. Reese's. Okay. Reese's. Reese's. There you go. Reese's. Reese's. Yeah, Reese's is the monkey. Reese's, Reese's is the monkey. Mike Ryder is who's with us. Mike Ryder says Reese's, which is Reese's. fine. Reese's, Reese's is the Some monkey. Some parts of the country say Reese's. Yes. 
What does Ryder say? <laughs> just, I know that he just jumps in my ear when Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. There you go. Reese's Pieces, which are amazing. All right, that's great. Theater uh, food. Matthew, betting slip again. We have not had a losing week. Last week we went three. Where's our money, man? Be quiet. Three. <laughs> I can give you like five hundred dollars every week. Uh, we went three, two, and one, which means we have now moved to nineteen, fifteen, and two. So not great, but also profitable on our six bets right. every weekend. So we got to go to college football for the first one. Right out of the gates, we have three ranked games. We're going to need two bets out of these three games: Penn State and Ohio State. Penn State's getting five and a half. They are at Ohio State. I'm going to uh, take Ohio State to I'm cover that take one. Yeah. Ohio State to cover as well. Yeah, I think so. That makes sense. All right, and then we can either go Tennessee at Bama or Duke at FSU. Tennessee at, at Bama. Let's I do that so. one. Tennessee let's, at let's Bama. It's eight and a half point spread right now. Tennessee obviously Ooh. is getting the points. What's Bama's the, giving them up at home in what's Tuscaloosa. Duke at FSU. I think that might. Duke be at FSU is a fourteen and a half point spread. Oh, FSU great. also at home against Duke. You want to go Bama? I would. I, I, I would take Tennessee to cover, though. I think Tennessee to cover. That's the, yes. Over under is forty-seven and a half. Let's take Tennessee to cover. Okay. There we Tennessee, go. we're gonna take Tennessee with the plus eight and that's a half. A, that's a big number there. Yeah, for, it is. for Tennessee, they're pretty yeah. darn good. And yes. Alabama isn't isn't Alabama ish. No. Welcome to Rocky Top, guys. All right, yeah. and the late game Rocky tonight, top. you can hear it right on 101 ESPN. It's going to be the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. It's an odd pitching matchup, Sanchez versus Mantiply. Right now, the Phillies um, favorited with minus one and a half. D-backs are plus one and a half. The over-under for tonight's game, nine and a half. I have a secondary bet here if you don't want to go with the game tonight. You can either you can bet for the series to go five games at plus 245, six games at plus 146, or you can predict this going seven games at plus 180. I'm going five. I think five games. Five games at plus 150. I wanted to keep going, Arizona, right? but yeah. And yeah. I think tonight goes over. Yes. Nine, over nine? Nine is... You think so? With that bullpen game for for Arizona, uh, I, I could up. easily see uh, an eight to four kind of game. All right, so you want to go over, over for tonight? Yeah, I like. And it. you think the Phillies are going to win this one five? Yesterday, yes, yes I, I think. Let's, I think. Then, Phillies you know, are win let's five. roll the dice. Let's go plus two forty five. Let's take the over on nine and a half. How much does that pay? Plus two forty five. Well, yeah, if, you, yeah. if you bet a hundred, you get two forty five. Oh, let me let me. Take a trip real quick. Do that. <laughs> All right, so I need two Before more bets out game of, tonight. I need two more bets out of you guys here. So let's go to the tied 2-2 series right now between the Astros and the Rangers. Right now, you can get the Rangers to win this series plus 108, or you're giving up money to get the Astros to win this series at minus 130. You guys feeling good about either of these ALCS squads? I'm going Astros. I, I told you all day. I Astros. thought they were the better team. They I'm went to Texas Rangers. after. Ooh, we got Texas came Controversy, to Randy. Houston. Jordan Montgomery. That's Joe, the, you, Jomo? You've got Montgomery and Evaldi. Jomo? Now you Jomo? need to win it in the next two if you're Texas, right? Yes, yes. But I think uh, they should be able to handle Verlander. I got two tonight. words for you. Jordan Alvarez. Uh, still got a as BT once so Change famously that said. Y to a J, yeah. and what do you got? <laughs> Jordan. Oh. <laughs> oh, there we go. As, as, as Brad Thompson once said about Big Poppy, haven't seen my fastball. <laughs> um, I, I think I'm going to go with the Rangers, too. I, wow. I'm going to take the... Yeah, you're you're going to lose yeah. the time on my there. own. We're going to take right. the Rangers, and then I need one NFL bet from everybody here. There's two home favorites that are only getting it because they're home. Falcons are plus two and a half at the Bucks, and the Dolphins are plus two and a half at the Eagles. Do we like the Ooh. home favorite in either of these games? Do we like the road dog in either of these I like, games? I like the road dog in both of them. Hold on. Falcons plus Falcons? two and a five no, at I don't Buccaneers. Like I, I like the Bucks to cover that. And then Dolphins plus two and a half at Philadelphia. The 
the Eagles got a lot of injuries going on. Um, offensive line, defensive line. The over-under in that game is 51 and a half. quite game. got it going offensively yet. It's kind of stagnant. And the Dolphins will be on the and stage. Tyreek will be on the yeah, stage. And it's, yes. not, and it's not really cold yet in Philly. So there's no advantage there for Philadelphia. I'm going to go Miami. I like Tampa against Atlanta at two and a half as well. I, I kind of feel the same way about Miami. Miami with the points? Yeah. All right, well, then we're going to take Miami. Miami with the points for our sixth bet, which gives us a betting slip of we're going to take number three, Ohio State, hosting Penn State. They're giving up five and a half points. We're going to take underdog Tennessee in Tuscaloosa, getting eight and a half against Bama. We're going to take the over on tonight's NLCS game uh, four, over nine and a half. We're going to take that series going just five games for plus two, 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 plus 245, excuse me. And then we're going to take the Rangers to win the ALCS at plus 108, and we're going to top it all off with the the Dolphins at the Eagles. We're going to take those points plus two and a half because I think Tyreek Hill is going to show out against the Eagles. So there is our betting slip for today. You're welcome for the free money. It's at least going to go. It's at least going to go three and three. That's the worst we've done so far. There you go. Great job by our producer, audio engineer Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun? I did, and now I know about. The food groups a little bit oh, better, and why you. Halloween candy works. <laughs> How, about How, about How about that? How about that? How about that? I thought you were going to say contact injuries. I like almond joy. <laughs> oh, almond no. joy has nuts, mounds don't. But uh, mounds, yeah, I like the the almonds in almond joy. So almond joy. I'm with you. There CD. You your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Go Hawks. Go Hawks. First Got Friday night home game ever. Ever in history of Central. The Mecca. Tonight, the Mecca tonight. White out. We're going to have a good time. It's good luck. Be a good game. Thank you, sir. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Enjoy your weekend. And for all of us, until Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.